stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone. Okay, we're definitely not the podcast. It's far too cool to review the Daytona 500. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Motorsport 101 podcast. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison, and with me on this episode of the podcast, oh, we've got a loaded cast for you this time. We have Mr. Ryan King. Yes, hello, everyone. Glad to see that our Mercedes overlords are still in power. Like, what made you think they weren't? <laughs> I don't know. The, the internet had a hope for some reason. I don't know why they had this thing called hope. But, yeah, that, that's gone now. M- more, more on that later. Um, we have Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Howdy. Howdy. Thanks for all the lovely feedback on episode 75. Y'all are great. We have, like, a bunch of listeners now on this podcast. What the heck? Yeah, we, we actually have plays now. People give a shit about <laughs> us. Like, 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 I don't know if we told you on the Slack chat last week, but people in the autosport offices were playing our shit. Um, <laughs> we've, we've made we're, it, you guys. We're legit. We're legit. <laughs> Who said that Motorsport Network buyout was a joke? <laughs> we're in there. We're taking their market share one listen at a time. <laughs> Hashtag shoot your shot. Shoot your shot, people. Shoot your shot. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, I'm very happy to announce that making her big Motorsport 101 return after many months away, she is the host of the Grid Girls podcast, a.k.a. the Squadcast, given the <laughs> friends that are on it these days. She is one of the finest people in the motorsport space. She's the first lady of Motorsport 101. It's Sarah Connors, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, Sarah. Oh, hey, <laughs> friends. I'm so glad to be back. <laughs> like... The same week as IndyCar. Yeah, same week as IndyCar. That can't be a coincidence. No, I'm I'm pretty sure you were on our preview episode last year. Dude, I think I was. I think that was the last one I was on. Yeah. No, the the okay, but the craziest thing is, like, I was a guest on the Grid Girls podcast um, last year two times, and both times were on the same day that Alexander Rossi. First signed his rookie contract with IndyCar and then signed his contract extension. That's right. At, oh my gosh. Know, Dude, do you want to come on again? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, RJ's going to be a regular on two podcasts yep. instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we haven't had Sarah on in ages. She's been begging for, to, to find ways to come on. We've just It's just not been able to work with scheduling and whatnot, but I'm delighted we've got Sarah back on for this one to talk some IndyCar. Hell yeah. Talk some great girls and talk some talk some just general good shit, quite frankly. So that is uh that that is awesome. Can't look forward to that. Right, some general housekeeping. Social media, you can find us on all the regular places. We are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport one oh one. We finally got the season reviews done. I just want to say publicly a massive thanks to Connor Pearson, aka Nor the Dragon on Twitter for all the help with that series and for Joshua Bond for all the fun nails as well. So thank you to you guys. You guys are legends. Thank you so much for all the help regarding that. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101. We're on there. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And 
And our personal Twitters are at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King with two Ks, and at Sarah underscore Connors. And her podcast, The Grid Girls, is on... Is it just underscore The Grid Girls, Sarah? Or is it no underscore in there? No, but it's at The Grid Girls. Oh, good. You actually got that name. That's yep. that's 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 nice. <laughs> unlike unlike us. Unlike, unlike us. us. We're stuck with underscores for frig's sake. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it happens. Your it happens. your podcast name is so like I don't know. That that would be something that would be picked up pretty immediately. I don't. Although I don't know how ours wasn't. So yeah, yeah. Like yeah, so, like Motorsport Magazine, they were not able to get the rights to the name Motorsport. Motorsport.com has that. Yeah. Wow. That is some bullshit. Yeah, we walked out. <laughs> they're, they're not going to give that one up in a hurry now, are they? <laughs> but um, yep, that is a thing. Um, obviously, you can find all of our episodes for this and for Bike Live at motorsport101.net. We're getting some revamps to that website to get some of the Bike Live content on there as well. If you haven't listened to the last episode for that that came out on Saturday, go check it out. It was a fantastic weekend of World Superbikes action. Me and Lewis Sutherby go through all of that as Jonathan Ray celebrated his 40th World Superbike win. And just, again, overall, just a fantastic weekend of racing. That, a 1,000th of a second finish in the Supersport race. British Talent Cup, MotoGP testing, all that good stuff on there on the second episode of Bike Live. And, of course, if you're following me on Twitter, you'll know that I'm trying to write 30 blogs in 30 days on motorsport101.net. We're almost a week in. By the time this episode goes out, I'll probably be, I think, 10 or 11 days in. If I haven't died yet, <laughs> um, hopefully. And they're not all about racing, are they? No, they are not, actually. Um, I, I made it a, a, a prolific priority not to hashtag stick to sports. Um, I've done stuff on, God, Formula E, on... I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm pulling up the list right now because my memory is that fuzzy, but the Top Gear reboot, Formula E, World Superbikes Day 2500, and Claudio Ranieri being sacked from Leicester City. As you do. Um, so I'm making a habit of not specifically sticking to motorsport with this list. So help me out on that one if you want. If you, if you guys want me to write about certain things, just send me a tweet. You never know. It may end up in a blog at some point over the next, well, by the time you listen to this, probably three weeks. Um, so again, keep me posted on that. That would be great. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. We've got some cool stuff on there as well, including early access to both this show and to Bike Live. And we've got a couple. Of, I've got a couple of extra ideas to add to the list of things that could potentially be long-term goals. Stay tuned for that as well. Without further ado, and the general has housekeeping taken care of, let's get into the show and let's get into keeping it 101. Now, unfortunately, this is going to be quite a short week for this one this week because nobody's got anything <laughs> except for me, which is like weird because I'm not like the most creative guy in the world here. But um, a lot of excitement was in the air because of Top Gear making its season premiere i'm being an american when i say season premiere by the way <laughs> as opposed to what <laughs> series um, premiere oh whatever yeah. get out of here <laughs> a series premiere is when you debut a brand new show it's not when you start a new season right, whoa, whoa, exactly. whoa, that's our definition that's our definition 
Yeah, it's the right definition. <laughs> it's the I, right I, definition. I, I like that the Americans are infighting regarding this status report now. I like, like that's great. Like, I'll let you guys have at it. But at the meantime, yep, Top Gear is back for season for its twenty fourth series. Um, God, twenty four. That's ridiculous. Um, on BBC Two last night, and I will be talking. I put a blog up regarding that as part of the thirty and thirty today on Monday. Is that time of recording? I think it's day six. So if you want to find that on the website, feel free. Um, I spoke about it a lot of length, and my mission is basically to try and convince these three to watch it, basically. But uh, especially Sarah, who is a big fan of the celebrity cameo appearances, but not much else because the main three hosts were kind of shitty. And yep. yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can understand why because you know. Clarkson is ignorant, May is a bit of an oaf, and Hammond is a grown man child. So, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. But um, for those guys that haven't seen it yet, I'll give you a quick rundown of, of what it was. Um, first of all, brand new set. Very pretty looking set, if you ask me. Ask ask friend of the show, Katie Fairman, that was lucky enough to be down there for that first episode taping this past week. Um, she's got a great post up on her site as well regarding that, so check that out too if you haven't already. Um and the big deal was that they've readdressed the hosting balance again. Last series, they had a whopping six hosts <laughs> um, spread out across their seven episodes, including Chris Evans, who has since left the show, um, as well as um, Sabine Schmidt and Eddie Jordan, who I think are only playing minor cameos in this upcoming series, because I think Harris has put them up on his Instagram. So they're going to be in this series at some point. It's just, I don't think they're going to be in studio anywhere near as much but yeah new set and again the main three is going to be Matt LeBlanc who's now probably the lead anchor and doing most of the heavy lifting with presenting alongside Chris Harris who you may know from his YouTube channel Chris Harris on cars and obviously just as a general ridiculously good auto car journalist and Rory Reid who was known for doing some minor gadget show on Sky One that wasn't a gadget show but he's now actually really famous and really good now so that's great but um, what better way to open the series than a 1,050 brake horsepower Ferrari, that Ferrari, at Daytona? It's... Uh, Yo. Yes, yes. Um, for those of us that don't know, it's the Ferrari FXXK. It is a upgraded, race-trimmed, raw version of the Ferrari LaFerrari, which is already a ridiculous hybrid 980 horsepower hypercar in the first place. And... For those guys that don't know, it's like you can't just walk into a Ferrari showroom and pay two million pounds for this. They, 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 they Ferrari invite you. <laughs> like they invite you to spend your two million pounds for the right to buy an FXXK, and then you can take it to any racetrack in the world with a dedicated crew to drive it around. But it can't actually take part in any motorsport because it's not road or race legal. <laughs> so, so you can't run it on the road and you can't race it in a series because it doesn't meet any of the health and safety or noise regulations. It's Basically, it's becoming a new trend now. These big supercar developers like Pagani, who have the Zonda R and the Aston Martin 17... What was it now? It was the Vulcan, I think that was it's, on the- It's the Valkyrie now. Yeah, the Valkyrie now. That's the one. And that was... Oh, you may have seen that on the Grand Tour this past series. Or on the last series, Stop Game, where Chris Harris drove that around Abu Dhabi. Um, but yeah, it's Chris Harris in a, day, in a Ferrari FXXK around Daytona. And um, yeah, that's... I had many strange boners watching that clip because it was insane. <laughs> um, if anyone's seen Chris Harris's videos or knows what he's all about, you'll know just how awesome his 
you know, cinematography, his presenting style, and the enthusiasm he puts into driving cars. It's amazing. Um, he was great. Um, one for Sarah. I think I told it in the chat as well. James McAvoy was the star in a reasonably priced car. Yes. Um, this time around but they've kind of redone the segment a little bit it's no longer really an interview like it was in series of old they've scrapped the rally cross shit from last series um so it's now going to be back to the conventional track and instead of the stig tutoring them chris harris is now showing them around the circuit and basically swearing at them relentlessly. It's actually a lot funnier than it sounds. Um, oh my God. Honestly, I, I feel like that could be even better than the Stig because as, as comical as the Stig was, like it got a little old. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how James McAvoy handles this, to be perfectly yes. honest. And they've replaced the car as well. They've actually got a pretty cool car. It's the Toyota GT86. <gasps> is now oh, my oh my god, what? My dream yeah. car. The Toyota GT86 is, is the car they're using for the series now. Oh no. Yeah, and I, Don't I, I, was, tell me this. I was worried about the car was no longer going to be reasonably priced. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that is a... depends how reasonably priced. Like, what's the definition of reasonable here? Reasonable to it's you or me? Yes, yeah, it's under thirty thousand. It's under thirty thousand yep. dollars. Yeah. That's a very reasonable. I'm actually, I'm not even kidding. That's my next car. I currently drive a Toyota Yaris, and I'm upgrading to a GT86. Especially since here in the states, it wasn't a GT86. It was either the Subaru BRZ or the yeah. Scion FRS, and. I was like, ah, but I'm I'm such a Toyota junkie. Like, how can I buy a car that's not a Toyota branded car, even though it's actually still a Toyota? Yeah. Um, but they've since Scion folded, the Toyota 86 is coming here, and I'm just oh, oh my god, you guys, <laughs> you guys, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I want one myself. I'm so hyped. Yep. This, yep. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that might catch a few people out. The Toyota 86 is now the new car for the start in the not so reasonably priced car. Um, but yeah, it, again, it wasn't really an interview. It was more like just James sitting on the couch and just chilling with them for a little bit. It was like instead of instead of it being in the old days with clocks and we just do all the interviewing, it was all three of them on the couch instead and just having just a general chat about you know whatever whatever the, the guys there to plug basically, and then getting them in the car and showing them around. They showed the lap later on in the episode now, so the celebrity actually sticks around for about half the show now, which is interesting um well I, I, I will wait and see how it plays out i think it was okay um because i think the chemistry of the three presenters is still a little bit sketchy it's getting there i mean it was their first ever show together so i wasn't expecting miracles in the first place so i'm not i'm not too particularly bothered by that so. yeah i'm sure the chemistry will come as the show co- as the show exactly goes i mean Top Gear Series 2, when it was the first series of Hammond, Clarkson, and May together, was sketchy, to say the least, as well. So, you know, that, that was to be expected. But the main film of the episode was the three of them um, going to Kazakhstan to to test and put a, a, and challenge three high-mileage, ridiculously reliable cars. So they had to bring a car to Kazakhstan, which they thought would be ridiculously reliable for a series of tests. Um... Should I tell you what cars they were? It's up to oh, you. Yes, yeah? yes, please yeah? do. Okay, I'll tell you. Um, basically, um, Chris Harris brought a old Volvo, which was around. I think it was an S60. So he brought an old Volvo, which becomes relevant later, um, especially if you're a '90s touring car fan. More on that in a bit. Um, 
Uh, Matt had a old Mercedes C-Class back in the days when Mercedes were stupidly reliable and they could run forever. Um, so Matt had an old beige-coloured Mercs, which, <laughs> which was quite funny. And Rory Reed, being Rory Reed, brought a London taxi cab out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yep, Rory had a black taxi cab. It is gold. Um, it was so they had to. The, the the overall big mission was they had to drive across Kazakhstan over the course of two days for a rocket launch and they had to get there basically within two days and there was a bunch of mini challenges they set for themselves along the way like a canyon race which was very funny because matt's car sort of had a misfire going up the hill and there was a big accident between him and harris's volvo um which you know much hilarity ensues um where that's concerned um there was also a top speed challenge to so say how close could they get to their reliability, their, their manufacturer's um, published top speed, which was funny. Um, I won't spoil exactly why, but uh, a certain black taxi cab surprised everybody in that segment. It's really funny. Um, the banter between the three of them on that segment is actually really good. Like the their in the, like their in studio banter isn't as good as their segment banter. It's kind of funny that, but they, they seem to get along very well with each other on, on camera for this big Kazakhstan segment. And um, yeah, they, they kind of come together at the end. And like you may have seen a couple of the gifs of this on the internet, but the big like last challenge when they were down there was they pull up to the to the to station where they're firing the rocket. But it says, OK, you're here at nine. The rocket launches at 2 p.m. But we've we've reset the trip meters on all your cars. The winner is the person that can do the most amount of miles between 9 and 2 o'clock. Um, the winner gets to see the launch. The losers have to go through hard labor. Um, I'll explain what that hard labor is in a minute. But um, the funny thing is, is that Chris Harris actually changed the livery on his Volvo to, it, to the old Volvo touring cars colors of blue and white in the 90s like Ricardo Rydell did um, which if you're Adam Johnson and you're listening gave him a huge boner because he is the world's biggest touring car fan uh, so he, he, he was he was helicoptering by the time this segment came around it was hilarious um, his reaction was gold um, so Harris was trying to find a, an airstrip Matt LeBlanc was trying to find a big open beach and Rory had the brilliant idea of putting his car up on a giant wooden block and then just running the wheels like a dino, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Which was great until the dino fell apart and his car literally took off. Oh <laughs> and, and then crashed into an enormous sandbank. And survived! <laughs> because of course it did. It's a black, it's a black London taxi. Um, I won't spoil who wins, but the, t- the other two losing cars were turned into Kazakhstan taxis. <laughs> which was their idea of hard labour. Oh, and no. At the end, and at the end, there is a really great um, Matt LeBlanc monologue um, regarding the workmanship quality of their cars. And it's a really nice ending because the rocket launch at the end was fantastic. And overall, an outstanding episode. I, I, I said it on Twitter at the time. It was better than anything the Grand Tour put out like over the course of Christmas last year. And probably better than anything that Top Gear had last series. So, if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go out of your way to see it. I had it as a 9 out of 10 level episode. And 
really, really good. And if it sounds appealing to you, go check it out because I think it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Uh, it airs on in America this coming Sunday mm-hmm. on I think BBC. Week, right? I think you guys are a week behind. BBC America, right? That's, that's, yeah, yeah, BBC yeah, America. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jalopnik said you guys are a week behind, so. <sighs> I mean that's fair because this this really sounds like a good reboot. Like I was I was into Top Gear for a number of years, and I like the idea of this new cast that's younger and more energetic, and they're and they bring a whole lot of new stuff to the table. Mm-hmm. And the car segments sound like they're just as fun as they've always been, if not better. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, the whole episode was a breath of fresh air. Like the like the the joke. Not every joke hit the mark. I'm not gonna act like it was perfect, but like the promise in the last series for me was Reed Harris and LeBlanc and I'm glad that the BBC listened and they've built the show around those three guys because those three guys get along great together and Harris is incredibly entertaining Rory Reed is I think going to be that millennial presenter that everyone's going to relate to who are like my sort of age and lower I would say he's like 25 and below sorry Sarah uh, <laughs> but um like I think, I think Reed is going to be that guy for the future. And overall, I think top to bottom it was pretty good. And I think it will only get better as they find their feet and you know really get stuck in as presenters. And pers- and from a personal level, a really cool moment of pride knowing that like the BBC's biggest TV franchise is now spitheaded by two black dudes. <laughs> that is the coolest shit ever. That is something I never thought I would see. So that is amazing. That like as we mentioned before we went on the air, it was it was it's two people of color and an American. Who would have ever have guessed that five years ago on Top Gear that the show would eventually be hosted by an American and two black dudes. Amazing. By Joey from Friends. Joey, Joey from Friends. Friends. Joey from Friends is the host of Top Gear. What the hell happened? <laughs> It's like they say, no one told you life was going to be this way. Oh my god. RJ, please. (laughs) You had to go there, RJ, didn't you? You you had to do it, didn't you? It was coming at some point. It was. was Coming at some point, y'all. It was. But yeah, I I highly recommend Top Gear. It it was a great episode. Very much enjoyed it. Um, And for those that are like missing Johnson on this show, Robot Wars was pretty great too. Check that out too. Oh my god, yeah, I heard so many good things. Like I we. We actually, a couple friends of mine actually watched some of the old Robot Wars episodes. Oh, God, yeah. We're getting super into it. Like, y'all were just, like, raiding each other and roasting each other based (laughs) on your taste in robots, weren't you? That was me. Like, I I have a hidden personality trait. I can tell a lot about a person from who their favorite robot was on Robot Wars. That is my my claim to fame in life. Mine was Hypnodisc. Uh, you're just hitting no disc. You're a masochist who doesn't have any friends. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> it's true. Hit the disc were bastards. They would, they would just destroy everybody's hard work. Exactly. <laughs> if you're surprised, you say you have no friends. Look at you just going out there wrecking people all day. <laughs> but yeah, if, if, you, if you really want to go back, you can find some of my tweets on that. They, like, I really enjoyed that, actually. Um... That was like two in the morning, and I was just roasting people for liking certain robots, including Alex. Oh yeah, from the grid from the grid girls who liked Tentamushi, and I was just like, oh my god, oh, do, do I have to talk about BattleBots on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it became. Just don't tell Chris Cook about that, otherwise he will kill me for mentioning BattleBots on the air. <laughs> he hates that show with a passion of a thousand suns. Why? It's, 
I don't the, know. The Americanized him. version of Robot Wars was a whole lot different. Well, I, I mean, the basic format was the same, but a, a lot was different. Yeah. I think part of why Robot Wars was so appealing as a kid was because it just had the right amount of British-level cheese. <laughs> just a, it, it, just, it, it was like that like 60s Grand Prix, I'm gonna build a car in my shed type culture to, to, yes. to Robot Wars. That... that I mean, that battle boss really kind of didn't have. It was kind of like the over it. It was more of a reality TV show than what Robot than what Robot Wars was. Robot Wars was a bunch of tech boffins in their sheds building robots and having a damn good time about it. And that's that. That's what made it so fun because it had just the right level of cheese. And remember, King, do you remember who host? Do you, do you know who hosted the first series of Robot Wars? Yes. No. Yes, Jeremy. I know because I watched it with RJ and, and Cook. Yep, Jeremy Clarkson. Charles. Jer- Jeremy Clarkson did the first. Oh yeah, series. Clarkson did the first Whoa. series. Charles did the second series. Yeah, Jeremy oh, Clarkson. Shit. Jeremy Clarkson did the first series of Robot Wars. I think it was 1998. I want to say um, something like that. And yeah, Craig Charles took over from his Red Dwarf days in series two and onwards, two through seven. Um, before, obviously, now with Dara Breen and Angela Scanlon as the two hosts instead. And, um, yeah, Angela Scanlon retweeted me last night, so I'm, I'm well happy with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> your childhood self would be just <laughs> running wild. <laughs> I'd be bouncing off the walls right now, King. I'd be bouncing off the walls. But, um, like, one of these days, I'm going to go on the Cooking Carnero show and just nerd out about Rebel Wars with him for like an hour and a half it'll be great um, it's like if you want to see that let Cook know um, I'll leave it at that for the time being but um, check that out too the series 9 the first episode was fantastic and another thing is things about tweeting live tweeting Rebel Wars is the most fun thing in the world because it's just such a laugh <laughs> nobody takes themselves that seriously <laughs> yeah it's it's completely different from pro wrestling oh. right yeah. <laughs> Says the darts fan who also thinks darts is a hell of a lot like pro wrestling. <laughs> it really, it really is. It is except though. you have you have the most non-athletes coming out, walking out like they're Shawn Michaels in the main event of WrestleMania. It's great, and Peter Wright won his first major this weekend, which was awesome because Peter Wright is a great, great dude. So good, a forty-six-year-old man who spikes his mohawk in different colors and comes out to Pitbull. Yes, it's great. <laughs> Don't. What the fuck is this non-athletic game? <laughs> it's very... It's like, now I don't watch pro wrestling anymore. Darts has now become, like, my guilty pleasure sport. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but, um... I will leave keeping it 101 at that for the time being. And, uh... Yeah. Wait, wait. I, I got what? something. I, I oh, got okay. something. Um... Because the buzzer. Yeah, because it's F1 testing season, I decided, hey, let's see what's happening in GP2, because... Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's like GP two off season is probably one of like the most exciting and depressing times in like any motorsport because you see. And why is that? Because um, first of all, let's get start with the sad part. Six drivers won't be returning to what I, from what, I, what I'd call one of the greatest GP two seasons of all time. Yeah. Uh, let's see, um, Raffaele Marcello and uh, Mervyn Karfhofer, they both given up on single-seaters. They've both said that... They're in sports yeah, cars Yeah, they're in now. sports cars now. Um, Marcello himself says that, like, the money demands are stupid. Like, like... <laughs> yep. When, he ain't wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, he's not wrong, but it's like, when, 
when you see like drivers be essentially forced out of GP two, you just oh, it just there's a certain amount of just burn. Like they're they're gonna like throw some. They're like the guy who gets fired, and they throw chairs everywhere, and security has to drag him out. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. yeah um, some of the others that won't be there, I know. I know one of them has been very busy this weekend. Ooh, yes. Antonio Giovinazzi. Yes. No, no, no. Pierre Gasly's not coming back, obviously, for obvious reasons. Of course, yeah. Uh, Super Formula. Mitch Evans and Alex Lynn won't be returning because they're Formula E obligations. And I think, yeah, Daniel DeYoung is also not returning. Uh, And neither is Antonio Antonio Giovinazzi, isn't either. He's doing full-time Ferrari test driver. Oh, yeah, he's doing full-time Ferrari test driver, and Ferrari are also not giving Giovinazzi a race program this year. Yeah, he's got the he's got the Luca Badoer role from the early to mid two thousands. Only now he can't do like ten hours of testing a day at Fiorano. But yeah, there's there's some there's some names still around. There's Luca Giotto. There's Artem Markalov. Markalov is still around. Um, Markalov, the mad Russian. <laughs> yes, Sean <Yeah. laughs> is still also there. He's taken his Indonesian sponsorship to a different team this year, though. So. That's new. Yeah, because uh, Carlin had left the series, so he had to take... So I think Arden, Christian Horner's team, is now called Pertamina Harden after after the... Yeah, because that's his major sponsor, Pertamina, yep, right? Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. You know who his Brand other new. big sponsor is? Yes, we yeah. know. <laughs> Fucking KFC. <laughs> How does that oh, make yeah, sense KFC. at all? Yes. I love it. I love that their the race suits have chickens on them. <laughs> The, be- the, the best oh sponsor God, in the history of auto racing right there. Like, I'm sponsored by KFC. Yes. Like, yeah, the Indonesian wing at KFC had sponsored uh, enough drivers at one point that if you remember the time where Colonel Sanders was played by a bunch of different old middle-aged comedians, they could have had one c- different colonel for each different driver that was sponsored by KFC. Uh, King, we have to get this show sponsored by the Indonesian KFC now. Yeah, we, 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 we have, have to do to. it. We have to. <laughs> I'm I'm all down for the Indonesian KFC Motorsport 101 official podcast, ladies. And I mean, gentlemen. I'll come on and talk about Sean Gael every week. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, shoot He's your delightful. shot, man. <laughs> yeah, we also have some interesting rookies. We have last year's GP3 champion, uh, Charles Leclerc. We have uh, yep. yeah. also from GP3 Alexander Albin. We also have Sergio Sete yeah. Camera. If any of you guys remember our Macau Grand Prix episode where we talked about that, cameras definitely. The next big Brazilian to watch for. Yep. And we also have Renault Academy driver Luis Delatraz, which is like he's a rookie. Ah. But it's like he's 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 a rookie, but he feels I feel like I've known him for like ages. Yes, because we're most of us are probably familiar with his father, Jean Denis Delatraz who had one of the more eventful three race careers in the mid nineties of Formula One. Um, as one of the most notorious backmarkers of his day. But when went on to be like a pretty productive sports car driver, won his class at Le Mans twice, and now his son has real talent to reach Formula One on his own merit. Will he get to do so? Who knows? Probably not. Will the seats be available? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, other than that, uh, this this upcoming season, I mean, this upcoming season might be the first new season where GP2 will be known as Formula 2. So technically last season will be the last GP2 season and this year would be the first Formula 2 season. 
we they don't really know if they left the deal done in time, but I have a feeling they'll just push it off push it off to next year when they get a new car for GP two. Ooh. It's been nine thousand years. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Those cars are fun to listen to, but they need an upgrade. Yeah, they're so old that they had the shark fins that were then that were part of the new <laughs> Yeah, wow. Then the last were legislated out and then came back to Formula One. Yep. Which we'll talk about in our preseason testing segment. Yep. And like right about right about now, actually. Yeah. No, wait, I have one more thing. I have one Yo. last thing. Go on, Curtis. GP3 though. GP3. Oh, GP3. We could mention GP3 briefly y'all know, because y'all know who we all have to cheer for, right? Um, Dams Racing, because they have not they have only... the American and the woman. Yes. Oh my god, you guys. Yes. We got, we got <laughs> Mr. Mr. New England, so. Santino Ferrucci, and Tatiana Calderon. Like, give me this team. I need them to win every race. I, I already yes. cheer for them every time in Formula E. I don't care that they win all the time in Formula E, but they goddamn, better yeah. goddamn win in GP3. <laughs> Yeah, they better win all the time, mostly because not only that, but also because Tatiana was King's first motorsport crush. Oh, there you go. Yeah. She's, she's so cool, though. Yeah. She's a really cool chick. So, you know what? Yeah, King, I remember you, you, from, her indie, from her indie days. <laughs> Attaboy, King. Shoot your shot. Oh, um, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> let's get into F1 preseason testing. Happy faces away. We're talking about Formula One for the next half hour or so, probably. Probably, you know. like... Hey, wait, that's not my gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to me, testing is, like, the really part of F1. Like, there, there are certain things that I can maybe guess why, like, people are into it. Maybe Friday practice. I, I can get Friday practice. Sure. But testing, really, guys... <laughs> No, I, I've never understood the general excitement for testing in Formula. You know, like are people into F1 that much that they'll take anything of, of a car running? And my answer to that question is yes, clearly. Um, yes, have you have you seen the phenomenon of preseason NFL football games? <laughs> you really don't think people would go, would turn up for eight days of Formula One testing that aren't even televised? It's like not even televised, not even like gamified. There's zero competition involved. Kit McKing, and you, like, how can you not be around for Sky Sports F1 and the eight-minute Craig Slater recap like, we get? Like, I, I get people who like, oh, I'm going to go to Arizona or Florida for, for spring training for baseball because, you know, there's actually, you know, ball games. Yes, it's, it's a competitive product. I mean, it, it's probably dirt cheap, so why not? But testing? I, oh, I just, I, I, I can't with, with F1 testing. I don't, I do. Now, before we get into testing, um, let us first talk about the fact that it was led into directly by Formula One launch week. Woo! 2017 cars. Yes. They made them look mean! Oh my god, you guys, I will interlude here. Every time someone yells, they made them look mean. Has anyone here seen <laughs> Slapshot? 
Yes. yes. Okay, so literally every time, oh, I just know. keep picturing them taking sledgehammers to the side of cars, <laughs> like they did it to the bus in that movie. We're making it look mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, look yeah, mean. Like, how do you think the front? How do you think the front wing ended up exactly. all bent it up, and and, exactly. and the rear wings all, you know, lowered it to ground? Now just took a sledgehammer, just whacked it a couple times. Mm-hmm. You guys, how have... do you explain the disaster that is front it Force India's nose? <laughs> oh my god! Didn't we say that a couple of years ago? Too though, like yeah, <laughs> wasn't that Lotus back then? With the with the no, no, it was, Lotus, it was Lotus had no. the fork nose. Uh, Force India had the giant black dildo nose. Yes. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. Oh god, like something out of an Summers catalog. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, that wasn't like you guys mentioned in slap, slap shot there. I was thinking of like the scene from Iron Man where Robert Downey just keeps hammering at metal all day. Yes. It was the same, same deal thing. to get to that front. Same thing, pretty much. Yeah, because I've not seen slap shot, but um, yeah, the 2017 cars themselves launch week, all the hype, all that good stuff. I mean, let's talk about the general look of the 2017 cars. I mean. The brief, the brief a couple of years ago were we're gonna have aggressive looking aero. I mean, I don't even know what an aggressive car is supposed to look like, personally. Sharp edges, sharp edges, Wide, wider stances, pointy shit. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't know, guys. But I mean, what... Gatling guns on the engine cover. <laughs> yeah, it's well, like, like you're something gonna... out of. That Lotus a couple years ago when Mad Max sponsored Lotus and they oh, built the F1 car with all the Mad Max stuff on it. Like that, oh, that basically. was so cool. <laughs> Witness me. Witness me. <laughs> like, oh, draft up a whole new set of technical regulations that might make the on-track racing worse without DRS. Yeah, we're, we're basically going to have green shells like in Mario Kart, banana peels. We'll just do the whole thing. You can't overtake, but you can at least take other cars out. Yeah, yeah. Can we have blue shells, yes. please, for the yes. sake of the Mercedes brethren? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, any anytime you use a blue shell, you always have to make that radio call and just say, "Witness me." <laughs> you have to call your shot. Obviously, you have yeah. to call your shot. Yeah. How did how did so, Connors get the new catchphrase wrong? Connors, do it. No, do it right. no, that's fine. It's fine. No, no, it isn't. In I this context, it's this. fine, Dre. There's a difference Shut. between shooting your shot and calling your shot, dude. Come on. <laughs> you, can, you can call your shot, and sometimes you can fail spectacularly. Yes. Speaking of spectacular failures, <laughs> um, we'll talk about some of the new liveries of some of these new cars. Some of them were really great. Some were divisive. Some were McLaren. Some were dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> Some were good, before, the good, oh, the bad, and the yeah. ugly, and the McLaren is definitely the ugly. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about some of the good ones first. Let's talk about the first new livery we saw, which was Sauber's 25th anniversary livery, blue and gold. It kind of looked like a cigarette box, only without the cigarettes. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Or Olivier Panis, Galosis on the side, please. Or the Prost days of the late 90s. That was a nice and livery, it, man. That was, uh, I, and it, and it's not the only Prost-inspired livery we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But yes, it looked very nice. It it especially with Marcus Erickson sitting with his blue and yellow helmet in the blue and gold car. That was a good contrast. Yeah. One of the more underrated helmet designs in F one, Marcus Erickson's there. Very on brand for the Swedish vibe there. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I I love that Sauber livery. I love the blue and the gold. I'm, I'm a sucker for all things gold. It's it's. It's one of my things, but um, it's it was gorgeous. I mean, 
I'll get to one over overbearing theme now. Just the general lack of sponsors on almost all the cars involved was a little bit eye-opening. Yeah. Because, like, you had this Ooh, great yeah. big pocket of white alongside this album. It's like, you need a big fat title sponsor on the side of that shit right there. Well, Preferably not in yellow. But yeah. still... <laughs> Like for me overall, that was a very nice looking livery from Sal. That is a beauty. Ooh. Yeah. I like what they did with their front wing where they had some of the little details on it in gold surrounded by the black and the blue. Uh, instead of mm. having the whole front wing be the same color. Yes. So that was yes. pretty interesting. Um That is fantastic. Yeah, they and yeah, I, the the shark fin in black, like the whole thing is it, it's put together really nicely, but you're right. I think that white on the sides is begging for, you know, some sort of detail. Big, um, it's begging for more. It's begging for more than just the driver's numbers on the side pod. Yeah, Agreed. exactly. Um, Agreed. Ha- have you noticed that there's like that little that little thing in the front, right behind the front wheel, which almost looks like a sponsor blocker from IndyCar? Yes. Right. Yes. And a couple of the teams have used it kind of almost the same way IndyCar teams do, where they incorporate the same sponsor onto that panel as is on yep. the panel behind it. Neat. Yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah, I think uh, I think Mercedes did something like that. Like that was the most extreme example of them. Mercedes, by the way, didn't change their liveries because why fits what isn't broken. Yeah, they just Same they just Ferrari. added like Williams. fluorescent lines. That was for new. No, no, they added fluorescent blue stripes. It's very important, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's not blue. <laughs> That's like Listen. aqua. <laughs> oh, stop what being so pretentious! It's <laughs> like, oh, what color is the side pod? Yep. It's sunrise yellow. So, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I should have read the Mercedes Petronas. <laughs> I should have read their guide, media fam. guide. I should have the read their media guide. Gu- yeah, I should have read their media guide. The color name's probably in there. Oh, damn, I think damn, technically damn. it's Petronas Green, but it's you know, Petronas you green. do you. <laughs> <laughs> Roll, roll, roll Sarah, with that. Sarah, 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 you're a big fan of uh, sporting teams in black and gold and yellow. True. This is a good segue to talk about Renault's new livery, which is black and gold and yellow. Yeah. It looks, it looks, it looks pretty okay. good. Yeah, I, you know, the the driver suits look a little stupid. Yeah, they look <laughs> but, really, oh they look really bad. <laughs> yeah. They look terrible. They, um, they've gone from they've gone from bananas to just I, I don't even know how to describe it because it's it's a black top it's a solid black top of the suit and then the pants are just the most bright and goddish yellow. Yeah, they, they should they should have just stuck with the whole yellow if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, liked the peel I liked the peeled banana aesthetic. <laughs> the peeled, banana, the peeled aesthetic. banana aesthetic. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the yeah, car looks I mean, really nice, though. I um, I like the primary yellow with the black front wing, and uh, I think they've done a good job with it. Yeah, built upon yeah. built upon last year's design really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy here. I'm going to be that guy. I'm I'm not. Oh, the disagreements begin. Oh no! I, I no. more disagreements on these than we did on the mountain I felt seconds. <laughs> Why are you guys like justifying like Renault being indecisive? They couldn't decide what color to go with, so they thought 
Hang on, let's slap that really nice all-black livery that everybody seemed to like when we unveiled last year's car and just stick it all over the back instead. I like the extra yellow lines on, on top of the shark fin, and I like the yellow that's going Why, why the can't they use more than one color, Dre? What's wrong with using <laughs> no! more than one color? <laughs> no, no, I, I just praised Salba for having a blue and gold majority. I mean, leave me alone here, okay? But, like, it's not bad. I just think the livery itself isn't... I don't quite like how they've matched the colors. If, it, if the whole thing was yellow... And the and the shark fin at the top and the, and the line coming through the side pod was black. I liked it a hell of a lot more. That's just me. So something a little bit closer to the 2010 Renault of the Kubica and Petra yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, I really like. To be fair, that is also one of my favorite liveries ever in F1. I love that. I love, I love the 2010 Renault. So that's maybe that's just me being extra pretentious, but. Mm. Um, like for me, I'm not a particularly big fan of that Renault. That's just me. <laughs> you know what just occurred to me though a... is that when the driver is sitting in the car, uh, his suit lines up with the colors on the car. Yeah, because the black, nice. the black from the waist up, that's where he's sitting in the car, and then mm. the yellow from the legs down is. That's yeah. It's kind of. I, I still, I still don't approve of their suit design. I don't though. either. I think it looks <laughs> I still... dumb. No, I think it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, it's it's bad enough when I believe it was Julian Palmer who was roasting his own yes, suit yes. the day they were released. It's it's annoying because I'm still the victim of a savage Julian Palmer roast from from the Christmas period. But even I am starting to warm to Julian Palmer. It's like I still love when they <laughs> unveil the car. He had the most like, why am I here? Look on my face. <laughs> it's the oh, I'm just goodness. here so I don't get fined. Look. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of why am I here, let's talk about Force India's interesting design for their 10th anniversary season. Force India have two of my favorite young drivers on the grid. This car doesn't look all that great. Yeah, they they celebrate their 10th anniversary on the grid with probably a new design which features almost no elements from either of their previous nine seasons in Formula 1. No, it it is mostly silver. It is more silver than most McLarens (laughs) of recent memory. Yes, it's like, hey, we wanted that 2008 McLaren Mercedes vibe. Uh, and for, hey, we'll keep a little bit of we'll keep a little bit of the green, a little bit of the white, also a little bit of the orange to represent India. We got that on the side. We got the, as, as Zara Daniela put it, the green stripe through the side. What always bo- <laughs> okay, but what always bothers me about Force India is that green and orange are not even India's traditional sporting colors. It's light blue. Yeah, it's light exactly. Blue. <laughs> like, the, like the cricket team. It's, the, the cricket team is bright blue. That's always been the Indian vibe, but they're going by the flag and not their sporting colors. Which I don't is, know. Uh, yeah, but like, be- t- to me, I'm kind of buying into the conspiracy theory that VJ Malia purposely wanted this design as like an FU to the Indian government. Oh, rude. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh king. <laughs> I love it. Um, I have to say, though, that shark fin on that car is obnoxious. Oh my goodness! It, it looks it looks a mess. It's awful. I hate it. I, like if, if I, I'm trying, I'm doing that. I've got a picture of the car now. I'm putting my thumb over the shark fin, thinking that is a really nice looking car. And then <laughs> you move your thumb, and it's like, oh, what is that? <laughs> it's, they, the front nose is something they've somehow managed to incorporate the design elements of the 2004 Williams FW26 Walrus nose with Caterham's 2014 eggplant emoji nose. <laughs> Eggplant emoji. That eggplant emoji knows with so much. 
like I said, it's something out of the Ann Summers catalogue there. Just it's it's not a good look there. Oh my god. It's it, it better it better drive better than it looks, honestly, especially for especially for hashtag Team Boys yeah. V two. Team Boys V two, that's the better. I'm not let it be known. I, I, I'm not totally against the colour scheme. I think the colour scheme actually isn't that bad. Maybe a little bit too much black on the underside. Um, but uh, it's just not a particularly pretty looking car at all. Mm. Oh dear. Now we get into the most divisive one of the lot, the litter. The new McLaren Honda MCL32 and the return of a traditional McLaren racing color bright orange to the color scheme after so many years away in the wilderness of McLaren's Can-Am history and their earliest involvements back when yeah, James McLaren was I, I, I just realized, us. like, yeah, McLaren never used the, that papaya orange in a Formula One Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I only have one thing to say about this car. Kid it with fire. Kid it with fire. Yeah. Kid wait, it with wait. fire. You know what? It'll do that to itself. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's it's like I felt like McLaren looked at the social media and was like, "Use orange, use orange." And okay, like, okay, we'll give you orange, and you're gonna like it no matter what we do with it. And then realized, so wait, they 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 were too chicken to go all the way with it. Yeah, they, like, they, they only made it like. 40% orange, and, and the feuds, like, half the Cyapods, like, half the shark fin is still all black with white undertones, and it looks terrible. I hate so, it. <laughs> so now let's, uh, let's play a game inspired by, uh, by, by the, uh, the OSW Review Wrestling Video Podcast. Mm-hmm. What car is the McLaren MCL32? It's mostly black and orange. It is... A 2002 Arrows Cosmos. Yeah. <laughs> that team went bankrupt mid-season. Is, 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 it is also a 2010 Virgin Cosworth. Oh, that, yeah. that is a that, that's a Virgin. That is a Virgin <laughs> racing. Because you know, the thing is, it's not even really orange. Like under a certain light, it's more red than orange, and it's just they're prepping for just, the back. Prepping for the back. <laughs> Someone's gonna take that role from Manor. I mean, it's, it kind of <laughs> almost even looks like a Manor. It's perfect. Ugh. So, so, and it is also it is also a G Drive Racing prototype from 2016. Ugh, you nerd. <laughs> but so, Connors, when are you um, buying all the McLaren merch in? Never. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just buying the Fernando Alonso app. Oh my god! Seriously, uh, those emojis though. <laughs> it, it, no, it I broke actually... up with Manor. I broke up with Manor a year ago. We're over. <laughs> We're through. Hey, Venus is in retrograde, so just keep your exes out of your life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some, somewhere, as she's listening to this show, Elizabeth Worth is crying into her an eventual Fernando Alonso hoodie because we all pray for Alonso to be competitive again, and that's never going to happen now. Because <laughs> Fernando Alonso uh, makes terrible decisions. Yes, yes he does. It's glorious. Uh, so. Speaking of allusions to prototype teams, Haas have decided to go with an Audi Sport <laughs> Yeah, it's not have. really. It's not really a huge change. It's just that the gray is darker, and now they have a shark fin. And they <laughs> painted theirs like literally almost exactly to the t- like the the fin the finned Audis. I'll say this: I didn't like this livery the first time I saw it. It has grown on me a lot over over the last couple of weeks of testing and whatnot. Like I like yeah. the shark fin color scheme. 
because it's like it, it blends into the background quite nicely. The gray isn't like it, it's grown on me. Like I actually kind of like the house. I, I I really do. It's it's annoying me. I I, I didn't want to <laughs> like it, but it's 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 grown on me a lot over the last time. There's me praising the Americans. God damn it! Beautiful. <laughs> I think it looks really good, actually. I, I do. Like it's done. grown on me. It is good. I I secretly also think the McLaren has grown on me because it looks better in the lighting of the sun than it does in studio shots. Okay. But, okay. That's, but that's just my on you. Uh, do I like <laughs> any of the liveries? I would say if I liked one the most, it would probably be the one that changed the least, the Mercedes. Yeah. Oh, I do get also out, like you... that their I like that their shark fin actually looks like a shark fin. Yeah. Like a yes. real shark fin. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, what livery the king like? Oh, the Mercedes. Get out, you boring corporate homer. <laughs> wow, that's harsh words right there. <laughs> we, we what, what did, we, what did we, your we, team do, Dre? What did, what did Ferrari do? <laughs> we added some black. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I have a white shark fin to, to totally give off the vibes of that of that one sponsor that's totally not involved with the team anymore. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Marlboro! Um, <laughs> and that just leaves us with one last car to talk about of all the oh. new liveries, and arguably the best one of the bunch. The Scuderia Toro Rosso STR12, which actually looks distinct from the Red Bull livery for a change, and it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it, it looks oh. awesome. It looks what it like looks a fantastic. Red Bull should look like. Like sod any and all purple. That is a cool. That's one of my favorite F1 liveries ever. I absolutely adore that Toro Rosso. It is a thing oh, yeah. of beauty. The just, blue, the realized. red, the silver. I, I just realized something. Yeah, it actually. It incorporates, like, all the colors of the actual Red Bull can. Yes, yes. It looks like, not one of the sugar-free cans, but it looks like, ooh, which can does it look like? <laughs> what can does Toro Rosso look like? <laughs> the Red Bull Cola. The Red Bull Cola. The cola that contained some cocaine in it, but... Cola! No wonder I liked it so much when it was around. <laughs> That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I think I'm going to die soon. But in any case, that, that Toro Rosso livery is gorgeous, and it's the least that Carlos Sainz deserves for putting in such a hard work. But Seriously. yeah, there, <laughs> last year. There, there is one other team that we also forgot to mention because it felt like they didn't have a livery this year. Williams. Oh, oh yeah. Well, they look exactly uh, the same. And I think exactly. that the stripe, the stripe going up onto the shark fin is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, goodness, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. terrible. I'm not looking it, forward it, it to cheering like... for this this year. Let me tell you. Oh, goodness. Oh goodness, yeah. Um, the the vibe I get with the way the Williams incorporated the martini stripe into like the shark fin is like, have you ever played like a really old PS one or like an early PS two game where, like, all the textures are warped on the car because the three D modeling is all janked up. Yes. And mm-hmm. so the textures just kind of look like stretched out and wonky. That's that's kind of the vibe I get. <laughs> because for some reason Williams just can't find anything creative to do with the mar- with with the martini colors. Like it was so great when they first revealed it in 2014, and then it's like, yeah, it's really great. And now two years on, it's like, do something different, please. <laughs> just keep the same colors, but do with something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. 
Oh dear. Oh, I don't but know. what about Ferrari, you guys? It looks really good this year, doesn't it? It smells like victory. It looks the same. Yeah. yeah. It straight up looks the same. Like, don't it even. Looks, it, like, Sarah, it looks like disappointment. That's what it looks like. Oh, I certainly hope so. Um, should should we get into some uh, some of the things that went on in testing? Sure. Yes, uh, that's we should. Yeah. Everyone was mean um, to my maple syrup child, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. Um, Mercedes AMG they did more laps than anybody else. They had the fastest outright time of the test. Um, y'all. Are we looking at a, at a season where they could go 20 for 20? Uh, we, that, that's what we say every year. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, no, because they're going to fuck up at some point. It happens yeah. every year. I don't think I don't think they have the consistency ever, especially with all the new regulations and with these tires, uh, to go 20 for 20. No. 17 for 20, maybe. But yeah, that, well, yeah, that's yeah. They've won. They, I mean, this last year was their best season in terms of win percentage. They won nineteen out of twenty-one last year. So, you know, they, they're getting better at this. Unfortunately, yeah, they're getting better. <laughs> but I, I still, I still hold that card tight that no team has ever, no team has ever run the table. No, no. Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet this out right now. I'm gonna tweet Sky Bet and say, can I get a request to bet? For the odds for Mercedes to win every single round, yeah, the, I'm doing that the, right the now. closest that any team has ever gotten to running the table was in Formula One's first season, where Alfa Romeo won every single race on the calendar except the one outlier race, the Indianapolis 500. They couldn't win that because they didn't compete in it. Yeah, and I was gonna say the McLaren in '88 went 15 for 16, and if it wasn't for John Luis Slesser getting in the way of Ayrton Senna. <laughs> During in the middle of the chicane at Monza and giving Ferrari a win, they probably would have won every race that year. <laughs> yep. And yeah. yeah, God. So like I said, and as we mentioned last year, they won 19 out of 21, and one of them was entirely self-inflicted, given that it was their two drivers driving like boneheads. Um, so really, like, I, you know what? Like I said, I've put in a sky bet. What I'll do is, if they get if they come back to me with a price. I will bet that price, and if it comes through, I'll donate the winnings to charity. That, like that, that, that's my deal. I'll probably stick a tenner on it, and if it comes out as a winner, I'll I'll split it with a charity, probably Great Ormond Street Hospital, because they're, they're a charity that means a lot to me. But um, I'll get back to you on that one. I'll put it in the description of this episode if I get anything, or I'll keep you posted on my Twitter at Harrison One Hundred One HD. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go see what can I get if they can run the table, but. It looks ominous that, you know, they were doing friggin' quality sims and full race sims on day two <laughs> of testing like it's no big deal. Uh, it, it's yeah. it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some trends in testing that are usually hogwash. Um, mm. Just as a reminder to everybody that is getting, like, super excited about Renault and Haas being at the front of the, uh, of the overall standings. Um, there is also the... Um, Dre, your boys at Scuderia Ferrari, <laughs> they did reasonably well, didn't they? I mean, they were second and third fastest overall, did the second most laps. Uh, uh, you gotta be feeling good about them, right? We're not doing right? this. We're not doing <laughs> this, RJ. No, 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 no. I'm off this narcotic. Uh, like, I, 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 I'm not 
I'm not like I'm not making this mistake last year. RJ, you saw the podcast highlights on YouTube and me ranting about Ferrari on three separate occasions last year. I'm not doing this again. I am off the Ferrari could win narcotic. <laughs> I, I feel so much better and I feel like I've added ten years to my life in doing so. Because I, I I I back drivers more than I back teams. So obviously being a Sebastian Vettel fan naturally you're going to end up back in whatever team he happens to be driving for. And I was off this Ferrari narcotic in 2005. 2015 put me back on it. And now I'm off it again. Like, like I've gone to rehab. I've suffered through blowouts, strategical fuck-ups, and a very slow Lewis Hamilton in Abu Dhabi. I, I, I can't take this anymore. So, I'm, so Dre, I'm, Dre, I have one question for you. Do you on. think... Sebastian Vettel going to Ferrari was a mistake. No. no. The reason why I the reason why I say no is because that if knowing that Red Bull are a bunch of dicks a lot of the time, I'm not going for a lack of a better word, they would have given all their support to Daniel Ricciardo for following years anyway, and Vettel would have had no chance of winning a title anyway, at least in my humble opinion. Given what they've done to guys like Daniel Kvyat and arguably to Mark Webber in previous years, like Red Bull has, has like no emotional attachment to their assets. Uh, like, but, I mean, Vettel is different, though. He's a four-time world champion. Like, he is, at the time, he was the face of their brand outside King. of Formula 1. Like this is a guy. This is a guy he, whose team. This is a guy whose team boss said last year that Ricardo and Verstappen was their best ever team. Yeah, because that yeah. was the team that they had. It's not like he's gonna say, "Yeah, Vettel and Weber was our best team ever," considering that the best team they ever had what did far worse than any of the Vettel Weber teams. Listen, y'all. That y'all. That Coulthard and Dornbos lineup <laughs> at the end of two thousand six. Oh man, that was straight fire. <laughs> Speaking of Red Bull, does anybody know what the heck they're going to bring to the table? Renault's engine looked kind of shoddy. They weren't up near the top of the uh, the tests. Yeah, uh, from from what I heard, that the Renault engine is essentially a new engine. It only has five percent of its parts from last year. They say it's a lot higher on power. The only issue is reliability. Mm. Well to be fair, Renault didn't have a single engine failure last year. Yeah. Which I is mean quite an underrated part of their again, game. They didn't Again, say like having engine failures in testing probably doesn't mean much in the long term like if it's a constant thing leading up into probably the test oh. before Australia, oh, no. <laughs> then it's an issue. Oh, like, oh yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, no teams with exclusive engine deals on the Formula One paddock would ever oh. have such a thing. Oh, that that oh. team. The, oh, oh, the no. orange team. Oh, poor, no. poor orange team. Oh. Oh, at, least, oh, at least they're still orange. Y'all, McLaren <laughs> Honda do not look to be in good shape right now. Didn't they lose basically a day and a half's worth of testing in the first two days they were there? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Something they like that. Some sort of, they have some sort of issue with the oil pan in the car, and that might not be the only one. Apparently the Spanish uh, paparazzi were trying to drag up stories like McLaren and Honda are going to divorce before they start of the season. <laughs> I saw well, that. They won't. Yeah, that's, no. that's not happening. <laughs> Oh dear! Like Gillan Balagay has turned his hand to, to F one as opposed to football journalism, but oh. you football fans will get that joke. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's uh, it, uh, McLaren Honda. It's just like 
it's like they're going backwards, and even if they even going by the times they were putting up afterwards, they're still not back to where they were when they were still with Mercedes. Which kind of says a lot about their current state of play right now. Like this is year three of the Honda partnership, and they're still not back to where it, they were before they left. It feels like yeah. it feels like Honda's bringing back all the issues that they had when they had their factory team before in the in the two thousands, where it doesn't seem like they have an organized set hierarchy of leadership where. With the old Honda team, which was based in Germany, for any executive decision, they basically had to wait until the executive board in Japan could say something about that. And if you know anything about time zones, that is not ideal at all. No, that's several hours difference there. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, that's that's not great. And the thing with McLaren Honda, just, it just terrifies me that how far back they are and... Again, it's like the same issues keep coming up with this McLaren team. It was it was the same story this time last year with McLaren Honda. Lost time at the test, new experimental engine didn't work, and according to the German media, like AMUS, they're saying they're down on power as well. So it, they could actually maybe fall backwards a little bit this year, as opposed to make going forwards. That is a terrifying thought. Yeah, and remember, by by the end of last season, they were a solid midfield team. That's not good enough. Remember, McLaren and Honda and the assembly of two former world champions and Alonzo and Button, that was an entirely win-now sort of move. Absolutely. It was an absolutely win-now roster of a car that was nowhere close to being able to win to the point where they pretty much abandoned two years of Stoffel van Dorn to try and make that work. <laughs> Oh dear. I think they've just proven oh, to they, they've keep they've kept making moves that just repeatedly show that that team is kind of incompetent. You know, like the whole the whole Stoffel Van Dorn like two years of let's send you to Japan or not have you do anything. Um, we, we, that that team was never going to be a win now team. I mean, we knew from the no. beginning that that Honda engine was a joke. Uh, I don't know if they know what they're doing or if they know that they don't know that what they're doing, but. It's gonna. This it's, it's, is this year's gonna suck, basically, and I feel I feel bad for Alonso. It's it's the same for their MotoGP department. They've had engine issues where that's concerned too, because to the point where it's harmed Mark Marquez as a rider, even though he won the championship last year, in spite of those problems, which says a lot more about Mark Marquez than it says about Honda. But in any case, it's it's like their entire engine department right now is not in the best of shapes, and we're, it's like when we're repeating ourselves from this time last year. But it's just what it is. It's just ugh, oh dear, the get your orange. shit together. Get your shit together, basically. Oh, it's it's not good. It's not good. Um, Sarah, Sarah, let's talk. Let us talk. Let's all invite everybody to talk about young Lance, young Lance. Stroll, one of two young one of two rookie drivers in the in the test, and who had a tough time in the test, involved in three crashes in two days. Now, I get that there is some criticism that comes with um, wrecking your car and testing, and you know that's. That's kind of understandable, especially when your team is losing days. But to me, I I feel like it's over the line entirely. Some of the criticism I hear about a genuinely talented driver who just so happens to have a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Comparing him to Maldonado on his first day in the car is a bit much, guys. Like, seriously, chill the fuck out. Yeah, also, I mean, here's I mean, a question. He's, he's... Why didn't Williams bring backup parts? 
Mm. Here's a, yeah. Because you know. Because Williams. You 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 think? Did you did you think about this at all? Like it's your first day in the car. It's your first day in a car with maybe some different arrow than you're used to. Maybe just in case you should bring extra parts because you never know what's gonna happen. Especially if you need to get data out of this car, bring backup parts. Yeah, and especially, Stroll isn't like other rookies, and I'm not talking about his bank account. Like a lot of rookies have had free, like free Friday practice sessions the season before before they got in the Formula One car. So Stroll is like less experienced than most rookies are. Yes, he's jumping out of Formula Three directly into Formula One, arguably skipping two steps on the on the logical ladder to Formula One in some of the more um, physically demanding cars that have come around in recent years. Like, even Lewis Hamilton has said that he feels bad for Lance Stroll that this is the year that he has to come in. Also, remember, he's 18 years old. He's the second youngest driver in Formula One history, the youngest since the Verstappen rule was instituted. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Here's, but here's another question, though. He never had he never had any first like free practices or anything, but he was signed before November last year. So why didn't Williams put him in the car? They could have had him in the car in Abu Dhabi. They could have had him in the car in Brazil, but they didn't. Be- because know, they wanted to get, they wanted to dedicate more time to the Felipe Massa retirement. Tour. Yeah, I think it really felt like it it they weren't gonna have him in the race seat for this year. It felt like. It was more of a consequence of Massa announcing his retirement and Bo- and Botas leaving at the same time, because if they kept Botas, they would have had a driver over the age of twenty-five, and I mean, again, they could have picked anyone. They they probably would have picked Alex Lynn as a stopgap until Lance Stroll was ready. True. Oh goodness. I mean, it's. It's infuriating, and the and the tone of some of the criticism. Like a week ago, it was Formula One is a true meritocracy, <laughs> and you want to satisfy your own arguments. And now it's all oh. Formula One is not a meritocracy. It is only about the kids who have the most money and the most budget, and it's not about talent. Seriously, and and also some of the criticism. Like we're we're criticizing Lance Stroll for being too young, and then of course about a couple of months ago we were bragging on Williams for taking an old retread like Felipe Massa. Like, you can't have it both ways. You can't criticize You can't criticize Lance Stroll for being too unready for Formula One and then rip on guys like Sam Bird and Julian Palmer for being too old or too experienced for GP2 to ever make it into Formula One. No, it, it doesn't work like that. These situations often require a deep amount of nuance that most F1 fans aren't willing to give. And that's or the, aren't that's capable the, of giving. Let's yeah, be real. Yeah, it, Let's be real here. They're just not capable of it. It's just like, oh look, young guy crashes. I, I'm using this as vindication for my shit. Yeah, We're gonna meme about, the hell out about of this. the state of driving. They just <laughs> sidestep into the usual media parroting tri- tribalism that they always do. Young guy it's... can't handle F1 because he crashed as a rookie. What a surprise! On his first day. On his first day. I mean, I for one am shocked at this uh, at this analysis, you guys. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean. I mean, sure. It's almost it's almost as if Matt Verstappen is an extreme outlier. <laughs> Who would have ever guessed? It's not like it's not like the media treat him like an extreme outlier. Now, do they, RJ O'Connell? 
No, no, not at all. I mean, if, I mean, we, I mean, this we is criticize the, you. I mean, we this criticize the youth movement so often. Like, I watch some of the supercars race and 16 year old Alex Rulo at times genuinely looked like he was in over his head. Um, we, we heard a story about a 13 year old kid who's doing laps in a Lamborghini Huracan trophy car. RJ, this is the sport that was hailing Max Verstappen as the next Ayrton Senna after his third career race. We don't have. Oh. We don't do nuance in F one. Yeah, no we just don't. Here. We we just don't do it. It's just whatever story the media wants to concoct for a guy. Because Max had a famous family name. Because he wasn't even the best in his European Formula Three, but he got the F one seat. The media was like, "Oh wait, there's a sixteen year old. He must be really good to get this F one seat right away." And luckily for them, they were proved right. But in any case, it doesn't stop the coverage from being really shitty and annoying yeah, it, most of the it, time. It ignores the fact that Jos Verstappen was basically intimidating team personnel behind the scenes to get Max that seat. And may have done the same to get him the Red Bull seat to basically ruin Daniel Kvyat's career in the process. <laughs> but but no, let's but let's make it about Lance. Let's make it about how he only won his European F3 title because his father Lawrence paid for team orders at Prima Power Team <laughs> to sabotage their other driver. Yes, that is that is the conspiracy wow. theory that is that went around for much of last season. Like, oh my god. I mean it wouldn't it be in Prima's best interest that Lance didn't win the title, so we'd stay at the team, funding them for another season. Get right, get exactly. money. That's it's. It's not like a case like Nikita Mazepin basically bankrolls the high tech GP three GP team in in Formula three, and you know he's obviously not not at the stage where he can move up yet. Stroll's a different case. Lance Stroll has won as many single seater titles as he has had years in single seater racing. Yeah, kid's good. Kid's good. He has his kids. Kid's good. Kid is, is also a rookie. It's okay to be both. Yeah. And leave him. Leave him alone. Just because you have this like awesome baseball pitcher who can throw a hundred miles an hour, um, but you know you're backing on him because he can't hit the strike zone in his first uh, fifty innings of major league duty. Are you gonna give up on him just like that? Depends. Is his name Doctor Helmet Marco? <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's just what it is, man. Like I said, in F one, once once the people that don't like you have written their story, it's a very hard habit to shake. Pastor Maldonado, Romain Grosjean might be the only guy in recent times that shook up that got the monkey off his back in terms of a guy that was absolutely vilified and was able to shake it off a year later by being really good in 2013. Yeah, but, but I mean, once, I, I once they've feeling, written their story, it's hard to break it. I'm feeling it's not even because he was really good. It's that he like he was able to hold a candle to Kimi Raikkonen. It helps, Sarah. Sarah, you're familiar with uh, with athlete with some of your favorite athletes being vilified long after they've changed their ways, right? Yes. In, in, the, in the case of Brad, oh Marchand dang, yeah, the Boston you're Bruins. absolutely right. So, if you guys aren't familiar, my one of my favorite hockey players is Brad Marchant. He's uh, currently either leading the team or second in points on the Bruins, um, but he has a reputation for being uh, a pest, and by by a pest, I mean. Um, for taking stupid penalties and just kind of instigating a lot of bullshit. Um, but the, the flip side of this is he's really good. But he can't mm. seem to shake that pesty label. But he's really good. And also, he's a really good dude. And people don't seem to understand that he's, you know, 
a good player and a good person while also maintaining this kind of little 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 shit attitude on the ice. Um, <laughs> he he stuck up for a couple of um, LGBT people on Twitter who were, you know, being mm-hmm. harassed. Uh, he's just a really good dude, but he still can't shake that. You know, you're just a, you're just a shithead. You're just a pest on the ice. Like that's all you are. Kind of moniker from some of the media. Um, well, it's the same thing with Phil Kessel too. The whole hot dog. You know, <laughs> you know the problem is now it's gotten so bad that Sarah has now adopted Lance. As, yeah, Lance as, is my favorite now. Here we are. Like Lance Stroll is now like a Canadian is now Sarah Connor's hardcore American as fuck. A Canadian is now her favorite F1 driver. This is how it's come to, people. This is what it's come to. You know what, though? You know how I'm justifying it? He's from Montreal, which I can literally get in my car right now and be there by 9 o'clock tonight. Like, it's it's very close to here. But Um, the Canadians are also from Montreal. Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to think about that. I'm trying real hard. The, 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 the inner conflict in Sarah Connor's soul it's right there. now is it just exists. a glorious thing to witness. It's 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 great. It's like the, the hardcore American flyer of the flag has adopted a Canadian and the inner conflict. It's like watching South Park all over again. Like the inner <laughs> conflict is amazing here. Yep. But you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go so hard for him this year. You guys are going to love it. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> Blame it's gonna be worth. It's gonna be worth it, especially when he's going to impress people, as he will do. He will have struggles, but he will he will be worth the investment. Um, I so hope if, if right, he does okay. well, you know what I'm gonna make as a flag for the USGP. Have you ever uh-huh. seen the GIF of the maple leaf where the sunglasses come down and it's just like deal with oh it? My God. So I'm gonna take <laughs> oh a Canadian flag. God. I'm gonna paint sunglasses on it. And just write Lance Stroll, deal with it on the flag. <laughs> Here we you, go. Oh, you, the, the, the squad are so creative, it burns my soul at how talented you guys all are. But um, it's great. It's it's amazing. Like the best thing about Twitter, absolutely, is the squad. You the people, the people that know, listen to the grid girls. You'll know who I mean. <laughs> you know exactly who we're talking about. Um, yes, it's them. We're just but, here to um, have a good time, you know. We're just here to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll celebrate this with pizza, grilled cheese mm-hmm. uh, every time. But. But those were pretty much the main stories we got out of testing. All I will say to you, and this, this is a Andre Harrison public service announcement, stop believing in Ferrari. It's not going to happen, you guys. Get off the narcotic. You, it's, it's like being an Atlanta Falcons fan around the time of the Super Bowl. You don't believe in this team. Don't do it. It will only come back to break your heart. And in fact, what will happen is... This time in November, when they finish third in the constructors behind Red Bull and Mercedes again, I will demand all of you who are listening to this show to send me audio clips apologizing <laughs> for your support of Ferrari. I want you to line up in a line and apologize to me personally for not listening to me and getting off this Ferrari narcotic. I'm calling my shot right here now. You're like, shooting your shot. A- there you go. Yes. This is my per- <laughs> this is this is my personal service announcement to any and all Ferrari fans out there. Do not get your hopes up. Ferrari will find a way to break your heart. Even if you can't see it yet, they will find and I- a way. And I'm going to shoot my shot. <laughs> To all the the hand capers out there, calling it Uh-oh. now, fourth World Drivers Championship, Lewis Hamilton, it's happening. Oh yeah, of you course bold motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, way to go, King! Way to go! You absolutely called the landslide favorite to win the world title. Well done, King! Well done. You know what? Though, if the there phone. was a chance that it would be anyone else, 
Like, yeah, I feel like we'd go for that, but we're not gonna because it's not gonna. So yeah, it's, no, it's not gonna be Botas. Sorry, Cook. Sorry, Cook. And if anybody comes up to me saying Daniel Ricardo, I will flip <laughs> your bandwagon over. Do not test me on this. Daniel Ricardo is amazing, but he's not in the right team. Put him in silver. Right. Hey, what about that Versailles? Uh, Shut whoa, up. Whoa, that's a big knife. <laughs> <laughs> I have a shotgun, RJ. I'm not afraid to use it. Ooh, though, that, that, no, though one a, thing I like can say, cow. With, with Liberty Media in charge, I have a strong feeling that Lewis Hamilton is going to be probably the last four-time champion in a long time. If, Liby- if Liberty Media get what they want, they want to make F1 a bit more balanced, Great a bit again. more fair. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, but, pro- but King, he's the best driver in the world, apparently. <laughs> Is he really going to be best driver in the world when, like, <laughs> when literally anyone else could, you know, beat him on a- any given Sunday, which, like, I hope F1 becomes like IndyCar. <laughs> but don't you know that don't you know that F1's ratings are are tanking because Lewis Hamilton wasn't winning all the time? Shut up. <laughs> it's true. I read I read it on, I read it on the on the Sun Daily Independent. <laughs> Sun Daily Independent. I'm, go- I'm going to find that newspaper and burn it. Um kill it with fire. Uh. But um enough F1 misery. Let's get into the hype. And let's talk about the IndyCar season preview. Oh. Yay, the fastest show on earth. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's get hyped. The IndyCar 2017 season kicks off. What in the hell? It's already what the <laughs> shit? Yeah, March 12th. It like we are very. By the time you listen to this show, we are probably going to be during St. Petersburg weekend itself. It, it shall be lit. Um, <laughs> just a quick rundown of the calendar for IndyCar in 2017. We start this upcoming weekend in St. Petersburg, Florida, on March 12th. Then we go to Long Beach in California on April 9th. Two weeks after that, we go to back to RJ's hometown. It's going. We go in the Barb of Motorsports Park in Alabama for that one. Always produces great races. That one. Last two years have been fantastic. Um, we back to back. That is going back to back with the Phoenix International, which was moved into later into April. And there's a brand new renovated version. Well, no, no, Phoenix. that's 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 next year, Dre. Oh, next year. My bad. My bad. My bad. Next year. Oh, I got a little bit too excited. I apologize. <laughs> it's then gonna be lit next year, in- though. <laughs> it's going to be lit next year, though. It absolutely will be lit. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Two weeks' time, though, we get into the month of May in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Month, the Grand Prix of Indianapolis itself on May 13th. And then two weeks later, on May 28th, the on-brand 101st running of the Indianapolis <laughs> 500, which is even better than last year's. Sorry, Sarah. Sarah. Not possible. Um, <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> Unless my, my dude on. repeats, in which case, yes. <laughs> We are on brand here, Connors. Get with the program. <laughs> the week after that, we will have races on June 3rd and 4th back-to-back with the duel in Detroit. Um, both races there in Belle Isle and Michigan. Then a week after that, we go to Texas, home of the best finish maybe in the history of IndyCar last year. That amazing night finish. Oh, fucking Ray <laughs> how many how many months did james hinchcliffe leave he led that two. race for two whole months 
through an entire uh, <laughs> hockey playoffs, through a lot of events. It was a good time. <laughs> through, through Road America on June 25th, Iowa Speedway, the land of the I'm corn, going there. on July 9th. All hail the and corn. Then, all hail the corn. <laughs> July 16th at Exhibition Place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Then two weeks after that on July 30th, it's the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Love a great swag. And then there are a few weeks off before two back-to-back -back ovals. August 20th at Pocono Raceway, and then the return of Gateway Motorsports Park near the St. Louis oh, area yes. on August 26th. Yes, sir. The following week, Swatkins Glen yes. International, the penultimate race in the calendar, which is on the calendar, and it's here to stay. And then two weeks' time on September 17th, the finale at Sonoma Raceway in Northern California. I think I'm going, going, good I think I'm going to all four of the last four races. Oh, I, like, I was going to say, like, Connor's like, what's what's the Mad Tour this oh, year? Oh, Mad Tour this year. We'll give you the quick rundown. So we were going to do St. Pete, but we decided not to so that we could instead do two and a half weeks in Indianapolis in May. We're going for the Grand Prix qualifying and the Indy 500 because, um, you know, they do qualifying the week before. Yes, um, yes. We're doing Texas, Iowa, Pocono, Gateway, Watkins Glen, and Sonoma. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, because <laughs> Texas is easy because I'm just going to fly to Austin and drive down with Liz. And then uh, Iowa, we, we got to do Iowa. Iowa is how we got into this mess. <laughs> <laughs> Simon! Um. And then um, Gate Gateway is important to me because I used to live in St. Louis. Um, and oh, then okay. obviously Pocono and Watkins Glen are easy. And then Sonoma, just I got to go to the last race of the year. You got to do the thing. I almost did last year and didn't, and I regretted it. So, yeah, should be fun. You know what? Probably for the best, you didn't bring Lizzie to that one, given Connor Daly's car oh, caught God. fire from the top ten position. You know what, though? The, the amount of times that has happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, it's like I, I, like, I remember, wasn't it the time that King, you met up with them and watched the race together? Oh, and I oh yeah. I will last you. Yeah. Yeah. She just started Did drinking and didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Another shot of morphine. <laughs> one, one of the better white cards and cards against God, humanity. God, I, oh, I, I have geez. to do an IndyCar race this year. It, it'd probably be either Watkins Glen or Pocono. I I want to do Toronto, but it's the same weekend as the Brooklyn e -Pri. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, come to Pocono. Pocono is a good time. Hopefully it won't yeah, rain yeah. this year. That was a pain. <laughs> oh, yes. That, that very much was. I, like, called out of work um, on the Monday just so that I could stay for the race. I was like, <laughs> we've already been here for two and a half days. Worth What's it. another 24 and, hours? And and, and, and and this week I'm going and this year I'm going to sit down and watch it on many a totally legal source because I can't afford flights to the states. God damn me! <laughs> hey hey, I wish I could afford Next flights year. to Europe too, bro. Uh, same. Yeah. Same. I'll just I'll just settle with Should... like my discount <laughs> like discount airline flights or hitching rides Goals. with people. <laughs> Goals, I will try very, very hard to do the 500 next year. Yeah, do it. I will, I will, I'll I will be fun. That, that would be the best. From now. Like, that would... like we, we already had tentative plans about just staying in an enormous house together, all the squad. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. That would like be amazing. If we started planning it now, this could definitely happen. Yeah, if we start Absolutely. if we start planning it now, we could probably do the entire month of May, since it's technically not the entire month of May. No, it's, just, I, it's two and a half weeks. It's not that much. 
Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could book the holiday as an advance at work, and that would be so lit, and oh god, that would be amazing. Here I am just crying to myself <laughs> because I don't have any friends to go with me to the race at Barber. Oh, you know, if Barber oh, weren't dang. so annoying to get to, I would totally go, because it looks really cool, but... yeah. It's it's great. We have we have a Bigfoot guarding the racetrack and a big giant spider. <laughs> okay, Sarah, now you have to go. That's such a hard oh, sell. <laughs> I hate spiders, but sure. <laughs> okay, let's get uh, let's get into the nitty gritty and some of the of the of the championship dynamic. Well, here, first and... I'll discuss the rule changes because there are sure. not that many rule changes based on last year, but. Uh, this year is the start of the Arrow development freeze in anticipation of the Universal Body Kit next year. And also they'll be introducing Push to Pass at the Short Ovals, which this year is Phoenix, Iowa, and Gateway will have Push to Pass. How in the hell is Gateway a short oval? It's over a mile. Well, in their definition, wow. in their definition, it's yeah, but it's short. not a it's not a super speedway. So yeah, it's 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 not Pocono or Indianapolis, basically. Yeah. <laughs> or TMS. Oh, that's gonna that is gonna be ridiculous. We actually we might actually get some passes at Phoenix. You know, <laughs> don't piss off Graham Rahal. You know what's gonna be <laughs> even more ridiculous? They're gonna do stadium super trucks at the at Texas Motor Speedway. Oh my god. <laughs> Stadium oh, super boy, trucks on an oval. Best form of racing. <laughs> oh my I'm so dear hyped. god! <laughs> oh my goodness! Stadium super trucks is the dumbest and the best it. support event of any race. They were at the Clipsol 500 at Adelaide I know, this past I know. weekend, and it was the same ones that are usually oh. here because uh, Matt Brabham was racing in yeah. that series, Ooh. which was fun. King of the four minute e when Bay doesn't love you anymore meme. <laughs> uh, Good times. Go on, King, you were saying. So, yeah, and they also, like, behind the scenes-wise, they also changed the, the payout structure, so uh, they increased... Well, they, they're they making it more... They're, they're making it cheaper to compete as a full-time team that is less successful. So the teams at the back, you know, have more of an incentive to compete full-time rather than part-time. That's good. You know, we, we need more teams, if anything, given how much talent is bursting to get into the seams again in IndyCar, you know. And how we and how we just lost the team this offseason with KV Racing Technology, although they are still there in spirit with Yunkos Racing. We'll talk about them in a bit. Chevrolet versus Honda. This is, with the Aero Freeze, this is going to look like a bit more of the same, where Chevrolet will dominate all the tracks that require a whole lot of downforce, but Honda probably has your best chance to win the one big race that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My eternal yeah, it's amazing. Pain. The, the eternal pain. Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Carlos Munoz comes alive for the 500. But he's not an Andretti anymore. He's a Chevrolet now at AJ Foyt, so that might be a problem. Which means uh. that if we continue his history of coming in second to his teammate, that means that Connor Daly is going to win the 500 this year. Yeah. Don't, don't start giving Lizzie ideas. She oh, she's already got them. She's already got them. <laughs> oh, oh, dear God. God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it seems that Chevrolet will, will, will just are going to be overwhelming famous to take the overall season. But Honda always are now seeming to seemingly coming alive at the super speedways. We saw it during the 500 um, with obviously a certain someone that may have done it at their first attempt oh. last year. <laughs> that, 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 that that was good times. And of course, second place runner in that race, Carlos Munoz as well. And who can forget Ryan Hunter Ray absolutely kicking ass at the, at the later parts of the year? I think it was uh, a Pocono oh, last yeah, year. That was amazing. He, 
he was he was the fastest man on that track by miles and was super unlucky not to have won with that engine misfire. But um, yeah, I mean, Honda seemed to have the super speedways on lock, and that alone could make things very fun indeed. But um, God, five hundred, so that's going to be fun to keep an eye on. But uh, let's let's get into a little bit of the teams here. Let's um, and Lewis, if you're listening to the edit, start putting the Imperial March theme from Star Wars right about now <laughs> as uh, as uh, we talk about Team Penske, uh, Darth Pagano and his squad. It's Team Penske versus the world. Yeah. That's essentially what it's going to feel like, because last year they had the top three drivers in in the championship. This year they now have last year's top four with the addition of Joseph Newgarden, alongside defending champion Simon Pagano, Elio Castroneves in his 20th top flight season. His 18th with Penske. And willpower is also part of the team as well. New dad willpower. With... Yeah, 18 seasons with Penske, man. That's incredible. That's incredible loyalty, and that's incredible. A testament to just... And Helio is still a top three guy in the field almost every year. It's is is like... With Montoya, it was weird last year because the wheels kind of fell off for Montoya last year, and... Like Helio, I think is a year older than Montoya is, and he just keeps on trucking. I just like it's like Frank Gore in the NFL. You think this is going to be the year the wheels fall off, and it just never happens. It's it's and amazing. I'm just like man. sitting here thinking, like, damn, Elio's got like Elio's like to be at Penske this entire time. A lot of things happened. New last mm-hmm. name. Got arrested. One Dancing with mm-hmm. the Stars. And King, what does Helio Castroneves cool? still have? Great hair. <laughs> Wonderful yes, hair. Sir. Great hair. Yes, sir. Magnificent hair. Magnificent hair. Yes, indeed. Um, but let's talk about the top. I mean, it's like, it's amazing we just talked about all these names and Will Power, who is incredibly good. We've completely almost glossed over. It's amazing that, again, Power, who is just like such a good driver and such an incredible like beacon of top tier racing in IndyCar is being glossed over because... Obviously, the big deal has been made about Joseph Newgarden as the new, young acquisition that could terrify us all for the next 15 years in this sport. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> but but there'll be Miller Lite, so everything will be fine. Yes, the, the, the cool, delicious taste of Miller Lite will go great with Joseph Newgarden's inevitable championship victory. <laughs> that day on Twitter was so good. He still has to... He still has to go through Simon Paginode first, who had a remarkable turnaround season from 2015 to 2016. 2015, Paginode was fast, but rather luckless and didn't have any results. Not so much in 2016, because he took off like a rocket ship. You mean the guy that finished finished first and second in the first five races? Yeah, he he (laughs) became... Yes, that same Simon Paginode. He became instantly the face that ran the place. It's like, oh yeah, I've got to step up or I might lose my job this year. Let me just go and finish in the top two for the first five races and go on to dominate the season from start to finish. And in fairness, it, it kind of felt like it was it would it should have happened earlier because like Simon was doing miracles with smaller teams like Schmidt Peterson mm-hmm. before he came on board to Penske. So you almost felt like how in the world would he not get on and perform with Penske? And that's the terrifying thing. It was like, Paginode is still in his prime. He's been really good for years between IndyCar and sports cars with Peugeot before then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it almost seems like we're glossing over just how good Pagano was last year and how he turns off from a top 10 guy into a, you know, a dominant champion that was especially deadly on, on the road and the street courses last year. Not so much on the ovals, but even so, he got the results where it mattered in, in races like Iowa and Texas where he finished in fourth. So it's just, Pagano is just so good. I think the one thing he's missing is a really good 500. Yeah. And he very nearly had that last year. Remember, King? Yeah. <laughs> you were pulling so hard for Simon that day. Yeah, because he almost had it the year before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. like the 2015 Indy 500 was probably the best chance Pagano had of winning a rate, that race last year. He dominated most of the first half and didn't have the results to show for it, which was a lot the case for a lot of his first season in Penske. Mm-hmm. But he finally got those results in his second year, and... Really, the only competition is going to come from his new t- from his teammates, and in particular, one of his new ones. That would be 27-year-old 20, Joseph Newgarden of Hendersonville, Tennessee, <laughs> who has taken three boy. wins, <laughs> taken three wins in the last two years for Ed Carpenter Racing, formerly CFH Racing. Um, he was fourth in the championship last year for what was essentially a team with only one full-time car last year. So you can only imagine what he's going to do with the top-tier equipment, the top-tier pit crews, the top-tier strategists at Penske Racing. I mean, it's worth noting he had the single most dominant win in the history of IndyCar last year at Iowa, and he led 282 so of 300 amazing. laps. Oh, my gosh. It was one, it, he, at one point, he had lapped everybody up to fourth. It was one of the most unbelievable single drives I've ever seen, especially... You were give, forgetting, you were forgetting yeah. the one... You were, you're about to get to the one thing that I was going to mention. He did that with a, a broken, broken hand. Oh, yeah. his hand. His hand was fucked up, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was it was an unbelievable performance. That was Joseph Newgarden and his absolute finals, and just a sign of what this kid is capable of. Yeah, yeah, um, that that, think, that was his ninety that was his ninety six games. It was, and for me, like the line that summed it up best was that he was at he was at Mid Ohio and he qualified third behind the two leading title contenders, Will Power and Simon Pagano, where Newgarden straight up said, "If we just had a little bit more," and. <laughs> He now has that little bit more. I'm really interested. I'm, I'm really interested to see if he has the same sort of growing pains that Pagano had, though. You know, because Pagano mm. came in having had some success beforehand as well, but maybe not quite as much. But there was still that little the learning curve. Yeah, How that, long there is, will the learning curve like, take for him? Like literally at any new workplace, there's gonna be a learning curve, and like Pagano was certainly. Highly skilled at like heading in, like he was a Peugeot factory driver in at Le Mans. Like he still had that learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, it was like of all the drivers, of all the veteran drivers, the three at Penske right now: Pagano, Power, and Elio Castroneves. Will Power was really the only one that um, had sustained success in their first full season. Mm. He was second in the championship of 2010. If you remember all the way back to the Longagero year of 2000, Elio Castroneves did win two races for Penske, but he was wildly inconsistent and finished outside the top 10 in the championship. Mm. And speaking of willpower, he is still going to be that perennial threat he always is in IndyCar, where if Power has a relatively luckful season, he will finish probably in the top three, because that's just what Will Seven Power does. Seven consecutive seasons in the top four in the championship. 
Four times a runner-up, a champion in 2014. If you need anybody for a road and street course, Willpower is your guy. And of course, we he went on that murderous row run in the middle of last season where he won Detroit Race 2, won at Road America, was second in Iowa, um, then won in Sorodso, then had another second, and then won at Pocono as well, where he pretty much reeled Pagano's championship lead in before having a, a very unlucky finish to the season, a lap down in Texas, and then was taken out by um, hashtag Blaine Kimball in Watkins Glen, and then the, 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 the engine blew out in Sonoma, which pretty much just summed up the, the finale of his season. And of course, the fact and he then, missed the opening round at St. Pete with, with, the, with what was an ear infection. Uh, right, he missed, he missed that race that he qualified on pole position for. While, while suffering an ear infection. <laughs> just willpower is a monster like make no mistake he is a monster and he is capable of winning any given road or street course on his day and that is the terrifying threat of willpower but yeah penske are probably gonna have like four guys in the top six and that's just terrifying oh, like i i, I fear also- i fear may i fear that end of may race the 500 where they'll have five cars Yep. Oh, oh dear God! God. Oh, and the return God. of Juan Pablo Montoya. Oh God! Oh yes! The shade throwing himself. You, you have you have the motivating factor of willpower in his thirteenth attempt, and it's not his thirteenth attempt. Sorry, it's I believe it's his tenth attempt to win his first five hundred. And Elio has, of course, been on a number of occasions trying to match that record tying fourth victory. And here's the thing about Elio: he has been insanely productive and consistent. He has not won a race in the last three years. But he's still a top three guy. That's just how good he is. It's incredible with an indie car that can be so unpredictable and is a series that's designed to be unpredictable that Helio is still a figure of consistency even at age 41. Um, so yeah, Team Penske probably still own all our souls. Great. Uh, let's move on to the Luke Skywalkers of, of the of the IndyCar world. Chip Ganassi Racing and now Honda's new A-team. Um, Chip Ganassi returning to the same Honda power that powered them to their greatest success in the late 90s, but without the sponsor of that era. And as RJ puts in his notes here, can Scott Dixon and Tony Kanon remain at the front of the field? What to expect from B-team Ganassi drivers Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball? What to expect from Charlie Kimball? Hmm. Where do <laughs> blame, I want to go with lots this? Lots of blame. Mm. Known Englishman Charlie Kimball, by the way. Um, <laughs> he, he's one of us, technically. Um, <laughs> he's like stateless Hawksworth all over again. I like to call him Decent Kimball. We upgraded from slightly average to decent because he finished ninth overall last year, which is actually a pretty darn good season for Kimball. Um, yeah, stealthily in the top ten in the championship, but that's part of the worry that with with Ganassi moving to Honda, like in the first few tests, like they were amazed at how much downforce they were lacking with their aero kits compared to the Chevys, and they had a new appreciation for what they had when they were with Chevrolet and how far they need to go with Honda. Um, Scott Nitson by far is the MVP of this team. Absolutely. He's a perennial championship contender. He's a four-time series champion. And it wasn't until today when we recorded this that he got a one-race title sponsorship deal with General Electric. <laughs> How does this happen? No it's, clue. And we're dealing with a guy here who 
until last season, had not finished outside of the top three in the championship since 2006. That's, that is the figure of consistency that Scott Dixon has. And he's, again, probably pound for pound, probably the number one guy in the series. And no title sponsor. That is terrifying and saddening, given that he was a target for, for his entire career until then. I'll tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah, remember he's... him in that target car just destroying everyone at Watkins Glen for most of the rest of my life. Like, that was just well, incredible. I, I, still, I still remember, Goodness. like, me, Ganassi, and the Target car probably go back to, like, the first season I ever watched IndyCar as a kid, and it was the pass, Alex Zanardi at, at Laguna Seca. Mm. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, so what do we make of Dixon's chances in a Honda? I mean, is Dixon, if, can, can he work miracles and maybe get it into the top four or so? I will say this, that with the combined efforts of Ganassi Racing and the Nets team, we'll talk about Andretti Autosport, that's two of the traditional big three in the IndyCar Series calendar. If their combined efforts cannot get Honda's stuff together in 2017, I don't know what will. Uh, They have the best guy possible to run an experienced team with a new engine, that's Scott Dixon. I'm just not sure how much Honda is going to be able to give him. And that's what worries me because Dixon might just sink down the order through no fault of his own because of the engine and the aero kits that they're going to be running next year. Part part of me believes that they'll struggle throughout the year, but the other part of me thinks one of the Ganassi guys is going to be one of the guys that wins the 500. Yep, and one of them could be Tony Kanaan, another driver in his 20th top-tier season. Oh, my God. This season. Oh, my goodness. He's the oldest full-time driver in the field. 42. Time flies, man. 40, yeah. 42 Time flies now. <laughs> Time flies <laughs> As a family. As a family. But, like, it's amazing, like... They had this funny IndyCar like season highlights video the other day, and it, they had the same shots of Tony Kaman doing like the little swerve you get on the camera for, for like on-screen graphics, and he looks exactly the same as he did twenty years ago. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Just, <laughs> just with less hair. Just with same less face. hair. He hasn't. He hasn't aged. The, the face is exactly the same. He hasn't aged in twenty years. God bless Tony Kaman, the Iron Man of IndyCar. Um, but I mean. And, and the man's a daredevil. The man's a daredevil. He is a tenacious damn driver. He's got to get back on the winning side of things and, and can prove that he can still hang with the big boys. I think he's he proved that at times last year when we were all thinking, like, mm. is this going to be his last year? And nope, he still proved he was productive enough to contend for victories at least. Last year was the closest year he'd ever gotten to Scott Dixon as a driver. He was only 16 points behind him last year in Canaan. Had you know, the results don't quite show it, but in the second half of the season, he was right up there with the very best of them consistently. I mean, the second place in Road America in a race he probably should have won if it wasn't for the fact that Power had stacked up three push the passes on the last lap out of defense when Kanan was the faster driver. But um, moments like that, the fourth in Toronto, the third in Texas, he had a, a plethora of nice looking results, Kanan, and I hope he can put some more together and hopefully dodge Taylor Swift liveries because Kanan <laughs> is still really, really good. And they, didn't they bring back a 7-Eleven sponsor for some races this year? Yeah, that's going to be gangster. Sponsored by 7-Eleven like he was in the early to mid two thousand. Throwback Thursday so cool. over here. <laughs> that is that is the coolest thing. So we've we spoken about that. What what do we make of the second year of Maximum Chilton coming? I'm so pumped. Ooh. Maximum Chilton, like oh my his, gosh! Oh, last year, what he finished second bottom of the full time drivers 
Only yeah. the only driver worse than him was Hawksworth, who is no longer in the series. And Stateless himself. His what best finish was? I believe seventh, seventh. at Phoenix. Yep, seventh at oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix was a was a phenomenal performance because here's a guy who comes from a road racing background strictly who is really taking an affinity to short ovals. Absolutely. Listen, yeah, he won an Iowa. He had an Indy Lights in Iowa. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he won an Iowa in Indy Lights the, the, on the weekend of Jules Bianchi's passing, which was really awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. And when you're pissing off Graham Rahal with your tenacity on the short oval, you're probably doing something oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I really hope Chilton does well. I mean, he's, he's a good guy, and he, he's taken to the American side of, of driver development like a duck to water. And... I heard a little fun story the other day about every time he he says box to, to to pit his car in IndyCar, he has to buy his entire team a crate of beer. Wow, <laughs> which, I, which I think is great. That's awesome. um, They're trying to break Max, him of that habit. Is that what's going on? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because obviously he's coming from a world in F one where it's box, box to pit, box, box. in IndyCar. It, <laughs> yeah, but in IndyCar it's pit. So every time he every time he says box, Chilton has to buy his entire team a crate of beer. I just think I think it's just great. Um, Chilton totally embracing the American thing. I mean, it wasn't the best Ricky season, but again, flashes of flashes of really some solid stuff from Chilton. So I hope he can kick on in his second season. Yeah, it's it's tough being an IndyCar rookie, and the one thing that I worry about Chilton and for Charlie Kimball as well is that Ganassi's, uh, their second two cars, they're really kind of there because people are paying for them to be there. Um, they don't always have the best resources and engineers behind them. It shows compared with when you see how far K- Kimball and Chilton were off the pace of Ditson and Kanan on a consistent basis. With the switch to Honda, a lot of people are genuinely worried that, like, Charlie Kimball's going to slip out of the top 15 mm. and Matt Chilton's going to have additional sophomore growing pains. Mm-hmm. Also, just a quick side note on my Twitter, Skybet has got back in touch with me. They have said, oh. we've requested odds from our trading team and we'll contact you if we're able to offer a price. Watch this <laughs> space. Baby, <laughs> just for just for I just for I dropped that one in there, but um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's Ganassi in the nutshell. So let's have a look at Andretti. Um, according to RJ's notes here, I, they're so well written. I can't. I've got to read them out on the podcast because they're nice. Um, <laughs> motivated to improve, Ryan Hunter Ray tries to bounce back from a year riddled with good speed undone by cruel luck. Could defending Indy 500 champion Alexander Rossi make steps forward in 2017? And is this the last chance for Marco Andretti and Takuma Sato? King, what's the catchphrase? Not now, Sato. Not now, Sato! To show their metal, the new addition to the Andretti team. Yes. <laughs> Effectively traded from AJ Autos. For AJ Ford Enterprises in exchange for Carlos Munoz in a one-for-one swap. Uh, <laughs> We're straight I mean, ever. What do we make of this Andretis? What do we make of this Andretti Autosport team? Because Ryan Hunter Ray is still very, very fast. We saw him on restarts at Phoenix. He could have won the race on restarts alone if it was a race broken down into like ten green flag laps at a time with a bunch of safety cars. Well, I mean, I mean, he could have won the Indianapolis 500 if not for getting tangled up with his teammate. And he could have no. won Pocono. Pocono was incredible. Uh, Pocono was absolutely, he, uh, you he know, was insane. a clinic, an absolute <laughs> clinic. Um, you know, I think I think he has a good chance, at least on the ovals. The problem that Andretti has, and it's probably going to be no different from last year, is that on the street courses, their shock absorbers are garbage. They are complete mm. hot 
garbage. And I've gotten this information from people who drive for the team. Um, they're they're not good. Oh. They're not good. <clears throat> um, yeah. Who told who told you that, Miss No, I, yeah, I might have talked. <laughs> Swore to secrecy. I might have oh. spoken to, to someone at Detroit, particularly. Which yeah. Is, if if, you if know, you're a long it, time, it, it, it was Marco, wasn't it? Whoa, it was whoa, definitely whoa. Marco. Yeah. Marco said yeah, if you're, if you're, if, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a long time listener, you you know who. But but everyone out, Marco, Marco. Yeah, it was Marco. Uh, yeah, Uber absolutely. driver himself, Definitely. Marco Andretti. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just they're no good outside of the ovals. On road courses, they're 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 decent, but the street courses, they're, they're okay. never going to get anything done on the street courses. So yeah. that's gonna you know make their whole yeah. their whole season's the, gonna suffer because of it. There's that's there's not enough ovals for Andretti to win championships like the old days, where you could win on the ovals and be decent enough on the road and street courses to cruise to a title. Exactly, all mm-hmm. four of them looked solid at Pocono. Actually, um, Rossi was he was leading laps until his pit lane mishap with Mister Kimball. Yeah. Um, decent Kimball. Oh, <laughs> fucking, fucking guy. He almost took Helio's head off too. Awful. Um, yeah. So, so you know, the ovals should be good. The street courses will be awful, and the road courses is a complete coin toss. So we'll see how they do. You know, obviously, I don't think they're nothing's going to improve from last year. It's going to be a little more of the same. So, the Indy Five Hundred is going to be their best chance at glory this year. And yeah, what and their two best like. The two best drivers, let's see, Rossi's still in the 98, and Carlos Munoz is no longer with the team. Oh, dear. Right. Like, Ryan Hunter Ray is still very much the anchor of that team, uh, even if his results didn't show it. He'll be back in contention. Uh, Rossi will be a factor on the super speedways. I'm intrigued at how Marco Andretti and Takuma Sato get along. Marco Andretti was deservedly so. Everybody's punch bag, punching bag, especially at the bottom half of the season. He is just turning 30 this year, and he's already been in the sport for 12 years. Jesus. And his most prolific moment is coming this close to winning his very first Indy 500 before losing it to Sam Hornish in 2006. Oh. And it's, it's, the sa- it's the same thing with Takuma Sato, who is stealthily 40 years old this year. Oh, Lord. Coming into a new, coming into a new team. His most prolific moment of the series is coming just close to an Indy 500 win before going for a pass that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> he, 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 he gave uh, Dario Franchitti's rear end a little kiss. Just a little smooch, like you're kissing your sister. <laughs> like something. Just, just, a, just, a, just an adorable little bunny kiss. <laughs> my, my problem with Marco Andretti is that every his fans every year, oh, this is the year. This is going to be his year. This, this actually is going to be his year. But it's never his year. Oh, uh- they're giving him. all just realized that Marco's just a bit average. He's basically. he's just kind of average, yeah. Maybe nah, the nah, they, they think Marco's gonna be like he's gonna be like the Brooklyn Dodgers of the fifties. So eventually, that one day will come, and that one day did come, and then that was the only day ever. Oh, yeah. Dear. In in fairness, Marco, if he runs well at only one place every year, it's the Indy Five Hundred. He's solidly up around the front. Every single year, if something bad does not happen, but the problem is that he can't really get the job done on a consistent exactly. basis. Yeah. The one I mean, thing he might have going for him this year is that they are moving Brian Herta to his stand, so that should be mm-hmm. interesting. So his dad won't be calling his races anymore. But uh, but Sarah, what 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 about your man's? 
I know. Yeah. Listen, I don't want this to happen, but it's happening. So and we have to just I learn mean, to accept even, this. Even with Herta moving to a stand, it, it kind of reinforces like this image that I have of Marco where like Marco has been bred to win one race and one race only. Yeah, no, you're right. He will break the curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one ring to rule them all. Um, but um, yeah, I mean... What about Takuma Sato, who finished one place below Marco in last year's championship, but seems to be the guy that has two or three really, really good results in the calendar year, and then everywhere else he's either inconsistent or terrible. Uh, I mean, th- this was a terrible move. They shouldn't have traded PK. I mean, I mean Munoz. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I see. I see what you did. What there. have you done? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm not happy about it. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not even. It, it. It just seems like. It, I mean, if you're Andretti, you've got one of the most promising young drivers in the series, and a guy who is a legitimately best chance of winning a 500 every year, and you traded him for Takuma Sato. It just. It's. It's not. It's not pretty to look at. Let's put it that way. And you know. No, I this know. team he's, is not going to get much done this year. Is basically the I, I TLDR version. Um, the, <sighs> like. The, I, do, I wish they hadn't let Munoz go. I really, I really do. I, I, I completely agree. I think he was he was on the brink of being a top 10 level driver in the field. And they've let him go for Takuma Sato, who's probably going to retire in two years' time anyway. And then what do you do? So it's it just seems like a dead-end move for Andretti to me. And Sato is not the guy he was five years ago. It feels, it feels like a stopgap move. Like maybe... Sato is a stopgap for somebody else coming up in the pipeline. Colton Hurta. Either it'll either be Colton Hurt or Dane Stoneman, who's still chasing down an Indy 500 ride, or it may be somebody from another team we don't know yet. Or it could be, or could be the single seater return of Scott Speed. Oh my God! Don't don't make uh, me <laughs> don't give me hope. No, or it could be Robin Frins. You got those guys yeah. over in Formula E. It, it could be. It could very well be. I'll be down for that. Um, let's get into America's team, as RJ calls Ed them. Carpenter Dad. Racing. <laughs> Daddy. He's wonderful. The road to redemption for J.R. Hildebrand and the fascinating Voltron of Oval Specialist Ed Carpenter. No, excuse me. Young. That's Oval Master Ed Carpenter. Um, Call him by his real name. I- Oval Master Ed Carpenter. Lizzie, stop, stop invading Sarah Connor's soul for the minute and get back to writing that thesis. Um, oh my God. <laughs> that, that's probably going to creep her out. A little bit. A little bit. Mission accomplished. Uh, but, uh, the fascinating Voltron of Oval Specialist Ed Carpenter and young road racer Spencer Piggott. Is there life after New Garden? Yeah. Very, very likely. Garden. <laughs> yeah, it's it's looking like a good team at least if you go by what they did in preseason testing like J.R. Hildebrand was very instrumental in setting up Joseph's car for the all-time great beat him down performance that he said that he did in Iowa Speedway and he came back to testing in Phoenix and was at the top or around the top yeah and you know why that is it's not because he's rededicated himself after several years in the wilderness only getting part-time or 500 only drives. No. It's the Camaro cut. 
It's the Mississippi mud flap. It's the Kentucky waterfall. It's the business in the front, the party in the back. That's right. J.R. Hildebrand's lucky mullet that will power him to success oh God, yes. in his return yes. year. That mullet is magnificent. I have to say it. Like That mullet is amazing. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. <laughs> it's like... G.I. Hildebrand with the mullet for America right here. <laughs> it's great. And I'm delighted to see Hildebrand back in with another chance like this. After, after, I'm glad he's able to write another chapter to his story after, well, you know the one. Like The, cra- um, the crazy thing is like he's been in like five 500 since that one. I know. It's just <laughs> like, seeing him full time, it's just nice, you know? Yeah. It's nice. He's, it's, he hasn't had a full-time contract since he was with Panther Racing in 2013, and that quickly went down the drain. Um, he's had some. He's had some hard lessons. He's had some years in the wilderness, and this would be a very good story if J.R. Hildebrand could get back to the success that he's that he seemed destined for when he was a contender to win his first Indy 500. Also, people kind of forget that Hildebrand's kind of handy on road and street courses as well. Mm-hmm. He came from a European street racing background. Yeah. And he knows the team very well as well. He's done, he spent, he was already spent a lot of time with Ed Carpenter helping out. He was willing to fit in when Newgarden got hurt last year. But it turned out his services weren't really required in race trim because Newgarden came back so quick. But in, in any case, Hildebrand was ready to step in. And again, glad he's got the full-time gig. And he'll be alongside the the tandem of, of in, in the 20 car of of Ed Carpenter, Oval Master, Ed Carpenter, of course, sorry, and, and Spencer Piggott. And Spencer, you know, had teething problems to start off with, but he had a couple of nice top 10s in, in Detroit and in, and in mid-Ohio as well. Uh, I think there's a little something about Spencer that's just yet to come out yet. And, well, who knows what Ed could bring out an Oval these days, apart from scott dixon's middle fingers <laughs> yeah that's that's the tough thing because traditionally carpenter has been like the oval specialist of the field and it's fascinating to think of because here was a driver in ed carpenter who was really just painted off as a never gonna be kind of guy you know just a guy who's there because his godfather runs the league um had some very miserable years and then all of a sudden in the last five or six years, he's actually turned around and found his niche, mm-hmm. especially in the DW12 era. But he's had some performances where he just cannot bring the car home at times. I mean, like Texas the speed is still, yeah, the speed is still there. Um, the speed is still there at times. It's whether or not he can actually put it all together yeah. over race. Because he's proven to be a race winner in the last in recent I mean, memories. And the speed is definitely still there. One Indy 500 polls, like, I mean, he won the poll for the Indianapolis 500 twice, and they were back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Carpenter's fast. He's always been fast. It's just he's not been able to quite put it all together on, on times occasionally and just invoke the wrath of other drivers around him instead, <laughs> essentially. And, I mean, right. the races he did run this year were 21st, 20th, 31st at the 500. Um, 18th, 21st and 18th. It just wasn't a good year for Carpenter when he was in those oval situations. And you could make the argument he threw away a top three finish in Texas on the rerun when he was chasing down Hinchcliffe at a rate of knots and then collided into Scott Dixon's car, which um, seemed to piss Scott off. A little bit. He Uh, he seemed a little grouchy by that. A little bit. Just just, just a little bit. I mean... Mob mattered clean cut Scott Dixon with the double bird salute after getting taken out of the car, and those and those two guys are best mates. But also, there's one thing I've got to mention with Ed Carpenter. One more thing that's worth mentioning: 
Still, the undisputed king of IndyCar test drive on YouTube, Ed Carpenter. Oh my god, he was so good at that. It was unbelievable. But I guess if He's you're, if you're, you know, your stepdad is the guy who runs the whole thing, then yeah. you're gonna know this stuff. He's a historian, and that, like, because let's be real here, test drive is basically how many 500 champions and 500 winners can you name, basically, and Carpenter nailed that section. Simon Pagano was still so terrible. That's oh, he was. Uh, did you see Ed Jones? Ed Jones did it a couple days ago. He did terrible. <laughs> Ed Jones was oh, terrible. Goodness. Ed Jones well, knows. He, he, would, this, would this be a good opportunity to kind of jump the set list down to Dale Coin oh. Racing? Dale yeah, Coyne let's do with, it. Like, like the hodgepodge. Poor Dave. IndyCar's great survival story. Four-time champion Sebastian Bourdais My and boy. rookie Ed Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and rookie Ed Jones might make up the best lineup DCR has ever had on paper. Will it parlay? American term there. Into sustained success. Um... It's an interesting one because, I mean, Sebastian Bourdais has, is still the guy that can win any given race on his day. Um, like he did in Detroit Race 1 last season. Um, and at Milwaukee the year before, Bourdais still has yeah. all the tools oh to get it done. Goodness. Yes, <laughs> he's he was good for one win a season at a team that was kind of sort of on its last legs at KV Racing Technology, a single car team without all the resources that you know he would have had in his in his prime in the mid two thousands with Newman Haas and Champ Car. Um, mm-hmm. He's still really good, and he's only reinforcing that by going out there and kicking ass with Ford in IMSA and the World Endurance Championship. Absolutely. He holds his class titles at Le Mans Daytona in the last calendar year. Yeah, Bordet is still as good as anyone on the planet, quite frankly, and now he's gone to DCR, and yeah, let's be real here, DCR hasn't had the greatest of success, but they are the hipster strategists, and many a, many a time they got Corner Daly into play on multiple occasions last season, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but they are the master strategists of basically hipstering it up and seeing what sticks. Yeah, they crushed and it. They crushed it in works. race one at Detroit last year. Like completely yeah, yeah. crushed it. Got Connor Daly a second place. Yeah, first ever podium. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was an incredible finish for Fiong Connor. I, mean, I love that all of Twitter was just so happy for it. It was the best. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> indeed and uh, yeah I mean that's what Dale Coyne are good at and what do we think of Ed Jones coming in as finally in in the series proper for his rookie season I think it was the only rookie in the field I I think I think it was about time for the Anglo Emirati to move up to the big cars because it seemed he seemed a bit out of place in Indy Lights not like out of place as he was bad out of place by how well he was doing and it seemed like it seemed more of a case of he didn't have a place to go in in IndyCar rather than him being stuck in lights. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just the, the right holes wasn't there for him really. Um, right. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Ed Jones gets along. He's he's been a perennial top tier force in Indy Lights for many years now. Yeah, like he like Ed Jones was really one of the few drivers that was excellent on all types of service. He. He didn't win many races on ovals. I don't think he won any races. He on almost ovals. won. I, I one. know he, he got very. A he came yes. so close, he came close, real close to winning the Freedom One Hundred. He came. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He came very close. He's great on road courses. He was great on street circuits. Yes, there was the controversy of how he won last year's championship, but over the last two years, he was consistently pound for pound the best driver in that same time frame. And think about this: he is he is one of a handful of drivers that has 
won their first three races on the trot in Indy Lights. The other two are Paul Tracy and Greg Moore, a former series champion and a guy who should have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot to look forward to out of Dale Coyne, I'm sure. Let's move on to the entertaining team, the entertainers, the powder kegs, Schmidt, Peterson, Motorsports, charismatic star James Hinchcliffe and Speedway Daredevil Michaela Lotion make up one of the most entertaining lineups in IndyCar. Is this their year to break through with a championship push? Let's first of all, can we mention one more time just how bad Hinchcliffe got screwed on Dancing with the Stars? No, you damn right he did. You're damn right. I'm, he I'm did. still, yeah. I'm still mad they let an Olympic gold medalist take part in a fucking dancing contest. <laughs> what is this bullshit? And don't get me wrong, I love Laurie Hernandez. She's a total sweetheart, but that was bullshit. <laughs> um, but but I will say this: the amount of people that I saw on Twitter and on the internet in general say we're gonna watch IndyCar this year because of James Hinchcliffe. The man did the Lord's work on Dancing with the Stars. He really did. Um, I went back and I was looking. I was looking at gifts from that just for fun the other day. And like, can you believe that since the last time we watched race cars, the last time we at Sonoma, we got to see him dance all these different dances. Yeah, we got to watch this entire thing develop. He's a new man. What a ridiculous, (laughs) ridiculous situation. And one, and it. still one of the most entertaining men in all of motorsport, James Hinchcliffe, a guy that, you know, f- f- of course had the miracle story of that incredible pole position at last year's 500, which there wasn't a dry eye in the house, especially in my household, when 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 that came through, and just on top of that, just it was a season last year. I mean, he had a couple, he had, he had multiple podiums last year, second in Texas. Despite the dome skid incident, he was third in Indianapolis Grand Prix as well, third in Toronto. Hinchcliffe is seemingly getting back to his old Andretti ways, but I think he, I think he's due a big season. I mean, that's what I'm starting to think. <laughs> Schmidt Peterson always seemed to kind of be like almost there. They're almost, they're, they've mm. almost got it. Yeah, they seem to be the fourth team in the big three. Yeah, they're seemingly getting there, and they still have they still have a couple of really solid drivers here. I mean, we mentioned Hinchcliffe, and he's a guy, obviously a former race winner. You know, a guy that is on his day is capable of mixing up with the big boys for sure. But then they got Michaela Lotion, who proved to be a real hot shot last year, especially towards the end of last season with. The second at Pocono, he was chasing down power for the win. And the very unfortunate mid-Ohio pit lane incident with Joseph Newgarden that may have cost him his first victory. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. It was, it was a disaster area for Lotion there. But the guy is, the guy is incredibly entertaining. He, he's had a real entertaining and very solid second half to last season. And I think he could be one to watch for this year. For sure. Yeah, his race at Pocono last year was incredible, actually. The fact that he could... He could try to compete with willpower for that podium spot was was you know eye-opening i think that followed him, followed him home yeah, followed yeah. him home the whole way and, and was was unfortunate not to win that one mikhail said himself he was just he just couldn't find a way around him in the end and it a very very close um incident that could have got him this first victory there. but i think but that's a, even a that's even further proof to to see just kind of how far schmidt peterson can take things this year um especially Absolutely. if they get off to a hot start so yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. it's unreasonable to have pretty high expectations of them this year. No reason why I think either of them could, couldn't be in the top ten this year if, if if they if they get their shit together. I think that's they can win multiple races. They really can. Absolutely, Kyle Lotion could be an absolute factor to 
steal the show at the oval tracks in particular. It's fascinating to me just how Mikhail Lotion has come along from from a sort of run-of-the-mill generic Russian pay driver in the European ladder who really couldn't find his way into Formula One to finding a home in IndyCar, tackling a brand new discipline to him, and just grabbing it by the collar and seizing that opportunity. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Def- definitely one to watch for next year. And hey, who knows? They could have a certain sports car guy in for the 500. Mm. Mm. Hashtag Poop Durrani. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Brennan. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, God bless you, Danny. Let's talk about the one-man wrecking crew and the, the guy that cracked the top five in the championship again last year. Rahul Letterman Lanigan Racing, the one-man army. With the addition of Ganassi to the Honda Racing Stable, can Graham Rahul maintain his place as Honda's number one championship challenger for a third season in a row? Now, here's the thing. Rahul is not the most popular guy in these circles, (laughs) but I think we can all maintain he is a damn good driver. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, And... Again, as I say, Honda's the, not the top finishing Honda for two years running, Graham Rahal. And, oh boy. And, again, he only had the one win in Texas. But it, it was a damn good win. And he is a guy that, again, if the car is working right, he'll get in the top five. He's, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's come constantly. close to winning the last two years at Barber in particular. Absolutely. And this is coming off a time where in the first years where he got back with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, uh, got back to working with his father's team after years at Newman Haas and then Ganassi and then Sarah Fisher's team. Um, it seemed like Graham Ray Hall was going to be a total and complete bust and for some reason, it took just him finding a new race engineer, and all of a sudden, he's overachieving like crazy for a single-car team. Yeah. RJ, it, it, it was Fontana 2015 that seemed to light the torch fire under 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 Ray Hall there, because, you know, that was that... Cr- I, I will maintain that it was the Barber race of 2015 where he finished second to Joseph Newgarden. I mm. swear it felt like I was sitting in, like, an Ohio State game <laughs> surrounded by a whole bunch of people <laughs> just going hard for Graham Ray Hall, yet here I was jumping up and down on the hillside in the back straightaway just hoping that Joseph Newgarden would Were there really him. a bunch of uh, Ohio State most- people? It felt like it felt like Ray Hall had a strong That's contingent awesome. at Barber so for cool. some reason. I don't know why it's, that is. It makes sense because he's a huge Ohio State Buckeye fan. Yeah. He is a massive college football fan. So that actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, didn't his race helmet was a tribute to the, uh, the, to the Buckeyes, Buckeyes themselves yeah. for a little while? So yeah. it makes sense. It, it makes sense that in Ohio, essentially his home race, there was a bunch of Buckeyes fans that made the trip over. Oh, no, 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 but this was, this was in yeah, Alabama. Yeah, this was in Alabama. Oh, this was the middle of Roll Tide country. <laughs> Wait, that makes that's even more ridiculous. That's even better. <laughs> yeah. Even better because Mis- mistakes and shakes were mistakes made. Mistakes and shakes were made. That's my favorite. <laughs> I will give Sarah Connors credit uh-huh. for that one. And that is going to be the name of our episode: Mistakes and Shakes Are Made. <laughs> King, that's the episode title. We're rolling with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but for me. I don't see any reason why Rahul can't win the title. I really don't, because... Except that Penske exists, you know? That's the only reason that stopped him the last two years. I mean, he very nearly did anyway two years ago. It was just very unlucky the last two rounds to be taken out by a pair of Frenchmen. Um, (laughs) Which led to his dad 
basically throwing them all under the bus. But in, in any case, Ray Hall's a monster. He is a great all-rounder. He's good everywhere these days. And heck, if he, again, if the car is good, there's no reason why he can't win the title, at least for me. And um, you know, if maybe one or two Penskys don't have the best seasons in the world, maybe, maybe. Yeah, you never know. know. You never know. <laughs> you never. You never know. Let's get into. I like to call it Team Lizzie. Um, AJ Foyt Enterprises. A new page, switching from Honda to Chevrolet, acquiring Carlos Munoz and Connor Daly. Will the young Coyotes push this team into the upper echelons of the field? The new yeah. youngest team in the sport. Um, yeah. AJ Foyt Enterprises, they've taken the chance on two young'uns. Connor Daly, who's 25, and, and, and Carlos Munoz is also 25. Um it's an exciting team. It's an exciting team, and AJ Foyt yes. is a trip to, a swap to Chevy. There's a lot to like about this team here. Yeah. yeah, on paper, this is a very exciting team. I mean, you you have basically got a brand new driver lineup. You've you've gotten younger. You've got the best engine and aero kit on the field in terms of like race to race performance. Hashtag the bow tie has oh. arrived. Oh God, the bow tie has arrived. Yes, sir. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I mean, what a coup for Foyt. Yeah, I mean, what a coup for Forty to get not only Chevrolet as an engine supplier, but also a legitimate top ten driver in the field last year in Carlos Munoz. That is a coup right there. <laughs> and you know, yeah, and you um, you kind of forget that he's still he's a month younger than Connor Daly and has already been around for. This will be his fourth full season. Yeah. Yes. This will be his fifth Indianapolis 500. He almost ran it as a rookie in 2013. He of course almost won it last year. <laughs> Yeah, you've got you've legitimately signed maybe your best shot on paper to win a 500. That's also kind of crazy. And Connor Daly, we all root for him. We all rooted for him hard last year. Had multiple top six finishes last year. Was very unlucky not to have a couple more, like at Road America where his suspension fell apart, or the fact that Del Coyne are just terrible at short ovals. Right. I'm just I'm really excited to see what he can do with good equipment. Honestly, because, you know, he executed some of those strategies last year perfectly to get those top six finishes. Um, If he can, you know, not have to focus so hard on that and can just drive the damn car. Mm -hmm. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Road America, I think, was a prime example of that. Like, Connor Daly was legitimately running in the top six on pace alone, and then the suspension fell apart and his car broke. And that was just like, oh, God damn, damn it, Connor. Connor. Peak Connor <laughs> Daly. <laughs> it's like, the, Daly. the only thing I feel really bad is that, to me, he probably has one of the most unlucky numbers in IndyCar, the number four this year. Cause What's so unlucky about uh, the four? Last person ask? to have it was Buddy Lizard last year. I think before Buddy had it, uh, Stefano Coletti had it. And also oh, no. uh, <laughs> J.R. Hildebrand had the number four that fateful year at the Indianapolis 500. Oh, oh no. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that was Panther Racing's old number, and that number hasn't really been successful since the championship years of Sam. Yeah. Maybe Jr. this is the year to turn um, it around, though. Hey. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. But a lot to like about AJ Foyt's team going forward. Two exciting young drivers, a legitimate shot to win the 500, and Chevy power. Foyt could be bouncing oh. back this year. That could be a, that could be a real story to watch for this season. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about some of the 500 wild cards as well before we wrap yeah, this up. Yeah, because we've got we've got some five we've got some drivers that are running the Indianapolis 500 either as their only race or as part of a very small handful of races. 
we mentioned Juan Pablo Montoya, two-time series champion. We've also got Sage Karam for Dryer and Rheinbold Racing. We have Oriol Servia and a second Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan car. Um, and we also have 36-year-old journeyman Jay Howard returning uh, with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports in a third car. Yes. Sarah, you 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 are familiar with the Jay Howard driving. Experience, I am actually. He he was my chauffeur around the speedway last year. I got a hot yeah, lap. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from chauffeur to competitor. How to, yeah, seriously. Um, no, this is great. I mean, we all know that Schmidt Peterson has been kind of making noise about having a third car eventually. Anyway, uh, this will be great, and hopefully they can translate that with all these new. Um, the new pay structure happening and everything uh, into having a full-time third car next year, I think is the goal. So yeah, yeah and I think awesome. it's it's also interesting to see that we have teams running a fifth car, like yeah, only, yeah, a fifth car. We have Penske, yeah. Penske, Penske. First time ever they've run five cars. Yeah, Penske has run a fifth is running a fifth car, and Dreddy's running a fifth car as well this year. They don't they haven't announced who's driving that fifth car, but they will. Flat have cap. It's probably flat cap. flat cap. It's absolutely going to be flat cap. Okay. Lord Flatcap himself, Townsend Bell, that my he hero. Doesn't take out Ryan Hunter Ray this year because, good lord, son, <laughs> good lord. He'll <laughs> just come out and wrestle some luchadors again. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, y'all! That was the best thing about that whole Mexican that was so much. weekend. Uh, and also, ripping his shelf. And, and also, Yunkos Racing will be making their debut oh, in yeah. the big cars. Yeah, that's. Yep, that's a new team coming up from the Mazda Road to Indy. They bought out all of KV Racing's equipment, and KV are actually going to work with them in like a technical alliance. So KV haven't completely that's gone super away. Cool. But this is awesome. this is a good opportunity for a guy who came from Argentina to America with with very little to his name, uh, came in as a racing mechanic, and is now going to be a brand new team owner in the IndyCar series. We don't know who's going to drive for them. Some say it'll be Kyle Kaiser, his ace driver from Indy Lights last year. There's a lot of possibilities on the table, and it's it's looking really exciting for them. Yeah. They've had a great track record of success in a short amount of time. Spencer Piggott won the championship with them in their first season in the Indy Lights category. Mm. Yeah, and we, I, Any ideas you, any you could drive that car? Possibly, possibly. I've, I've said it for years that Spencer needs to round out his oval game, and he's not going to do that if he doesn't get any oval experience. So who knows what? Yeah, because what in the what gets gets some experience at the granddaddy of them all? Why not baptism of fire? <laughs> baptism of fire. <sighs> but um, okay, I've got to ask three questions. Number one, who is going to be your breakout star of the year? I mean, mm. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's going to be Carlos Munoz. Yeah, I, think I, think, that, I think it Ford I, is going to actually get their shit together, and I think it's going to be a great season for them. Yeah, my my first instinct was Connor Daly, so I guess I have to go on the on the Foyt bandwagon. You can just zoo. join the Foyt train. <laughs> the I'm fo- going out. I'm going out on a limb, and I'm going to say that Spencer Piggott is going to win a race in the number twenty car. I feel Whoa. like he genuinely has that level of talent. Ed Carpenter Racing puts a, they have some good people to prepare their car. And they have they have stolen wins with part time drivers like Mike Conway before. I firmly believe that Spencer Pickett can do the same even on a part time schedule. This is good for me. I'm going to go for Michaela Lotion. I think Michaela Lotion will be on the podium multiple times this year. I, I, I think 
I think he's starting to really put it all together now, and I, I'm, I look forward to seeing the Mad Russians year with excitement. So I was going to say Rookie of the Year, but obviously there's only one Rookie, so Ed Jones kind of wins this one by default. Yeah. Um, yeah, unless we get somebody jumping in in the middle of the season, Ed Jones has won the Rookie of the Year by but default. who is your early pick to win the 500? Uh, early pick, I want to say Pagano. I think Pagano, I have a feeling Pagano is not going to win the title this year, but he's going to win the 500. Mm, that That is that is a tough one. I, like, I'm leaning towards Scott Ditson winning his second 500. I'm going to say Ryan Hunter-Ray. Hunter-Ray to take his second 500. I'm going to say it's going to be Joseph. Joseph, because you know he finished third last year. He came third last year. Now, counting going through the entries and even counting uh, Spencer Pickett, who's not running the ovals normally. Right now, there's only 29 drivers. Who do you think is going to fill out the rest of the field to get us up to 33? <laughs> mm. But I, I have a feeling Townsend Bell will be. No, no, I, I counted the fifth I, cars I, as well. I counted the fifth cars as well. Uh. Are we going to see Pippa Man run again? I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, they they usually fund her to to run in the five hundred of the um, what is it, Susan Komen? Yeah. So Susan, yeah, Susan she'll, she'll probably to a degree, be in there. Yes, yep. a yeah. lot of crowdfunding as well. Mm-hmm. Dale yeah, Coyne with um, a third car. And, and, and are they going to run Buddy Lazier again? <laughs> Buddy going to run himself again? <laughs> yeah, why I know not? Lazier has tentative plans to run. I just don't know if he will run as a driver, and honestly, he really shouldn't. <laughs> oh dear. Um, anybody else? Uh, maybe Sage Cat. Yeah. Maybe Sage Karam again. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sa- Sage Karam yeah, already. He's has already a there. Oh, yeah, okay. he's counted. Yeah, my bad. He's doing Dryer and Reinbold again, right? Yep. Yes, yeah. 20- yes, in the twenty-four car. Is Oriol Servia confirmed yet? Yes. 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 He's got three seats with. He's got three races with Ray Hall, Lennerman, Lanigan racing. Yes, that's one of them. Okay, cool. Mm. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see we'll see. And one last question: Your Verizon IndyCar Series 2017 champion, Joseph Newgarden. Be... Joseph Newgarden. I think he's going to do it. I'm going all in. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking down at my shirt. Yeah, it's Joseph Newgarden. Oh, do I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Be that guy. I feel, what, 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 what are you thinking, King? Willpower. I was also going to say willpower. <laughs> wow. Four for That's four on Penske. None of us going for the defending champion. No. It's like, just, I just, you know what it is? I think it's because Pagano's year was so good, I just don't think he'll be able to repeat it. I think he will. I think he will be back in the title contendership, but in my heart of hearts... And I'm not just saying that because I'm a big Joseph Dugard fan and I'm wearing his shirt for the podcast. I think he has a really legitimate chance to be a title contender and a championship winner in 2017. Y'all, let's talk shit about each other's fantasy IndyCar Fantasy League picks because we're all in the league this year. <laughs> yeah, it, it's worth mentioning that um, our friend of the show, I need to make the my delightful, picks. <laughs> yeah, the, the delightful friend of the show, Miss Sarah Connors, has our own fantasy IndyCar League this year. And, and if you want to, fo- and if you want to play in it, which you absolutely should do, by the way, um, because I've decided to put in a prize. 
the winner gets a free bonus ball 101 t-shirt. Hey! Free stuff. Who doesn't love free merch? We currently so we currently you, have 30, 38 participants, which is a lot more than is, I thought we ever would. Which is crazy. Yeah, the league in question is is called Time to Race the Tweets, because of course. Sarah oh, Connor's you know, <laughs> I gotta stay loyal we know to her t- we, we We know the tweets, but uh, yes, the, the greatest F1 Twitter out there, Kota, of course. But uh, Time to Race the Tweets is the league. Search it, find it. Join it. Go on fantasy.indycar.com and it's pretty easy to find. Just go down. It's, they're all in yeah. alphabetical order. Just go down to T. You'll find us. You'll find it. Join it. The winner gets a Motorsport 101 t-shirt and of course you can have the satisfying honor of bragging, bragging about your on everyone team. else. <laughs> yes, because we all know nobody really gives a shit about your fantasy team, <laughs> yeah. but yet you'll always talk about it anyway. <laughs> Great. Um, just before we go, Sarah, tell them about the Grid Girls. Oh, hell yeah. Already. So we have this, we have this podcast. It's called The Good Girls. We mm-hmm. basically talk about all the same stuff we just talked about, but we also talk about women in motorsport, um, because we feel that it's very important to promote women participating in motorsport as many ways as we possibly can. Um, we talk a little bit about the social issues behind it as well. Uh, and we yell about race cars. We, you know, do the thing. Um, you can find us on iTunes. We're at we're the Grid Girls on there, and uh, on Twitter we're at the Grid Girls. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much like a roundtable sort of situation. It's fun. We have a good time. The next episode will be going up probably Wednesday morning. So, so yeah, by the time yeah. this by the time this is out, it was, it, the new episode will probably be out too. So check it out. Um, RJ, tell them about your masochistic tendencies of Super GT World real quick. Oh gosh, yeah. um, Super GT World at at Super GT World on Twitter, supergtworld.wordpress.com on the internet. We're gearing up for the start of preseason testing. The full lineup has already been announced, and there's like a major story that oh yes, the Suzuka 1000 kilometers is not going to be part of the calendar, and it's not going to be a thousand kilometer race anymore. It's going to go up to ten hours, and that has people very heated mm-hmm. because. Because you've just kind of lost your crown jewel event, hmm. um, so we talk about it that as well. It's gonna it's gonna be a good time. I try to do things just the right way with that. It's it's great, and I feel like big things are coming. More on that soon. Hmm. Testing indeed. And yeah, that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Motorsport 101. One more time, for basically you can find us at motorsport101.net is our website. So you can find all our social media on there, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 for highlights from here and from Bike Live, of course. Obviously, we're available on all good podcast sites, podcasting. It was obviously like um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, you name it, it's on there. Um, and of course, the TuneIn and the Podcasts app as well. So if you're into your smart gaming consoles like your Xboxes, you can listen to us on your Xbox or your PS4 mm. and uh, facebook.com slash motorsport101 at twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you really like us you can back us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 some news on that in the next couple of days um, until next time I've been Andre Harrison they've been Ryan King RJ O'Connell and Sarah Connors thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time sayonara bye 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 <laughs>
Oh, damn it, guys. I got it wrong. My pick wasn't willpower. My pick was Moonlight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 